Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hey, kids. Kevin Harb, back on the radio, coming to you tonight from the studios of WKGC-FM, high atop the Charles Hilton Center for Advanced Technology and Hospitality Management. <laughs> At Gulf Boy. Coast State College in Panama City, Florida. That's a mouthful. It are. And you should see the sign over this building. It's like a trifold sign. And you can see that sign if you go to our Facebook page. Yes. Uh, Johnny took some pictures as we were coming into the station tonight. And you will notice, uh, number one, there's a gorgeous full moon tonight. The big hunter's moon. And the address is facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show. Mm-hmm. So that big hunter's moon is, and again, I'm taking these pictures in the car through the windshield yeah. with my phone. So these are not like magazine quality, but they're pretty cool. As we're driving past the bikers, uh, because this is a... Uh, uh, Thunder Beach Week. Yes, the fall rally for Thunder Beach. We were here for the spring rally, too. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked about something like 60,000, 80,000 bikes in town. There's supposed to be anywhere from fifty to 60,000 in town this weekend. It just didn't sound that loud. There's just yeah. like a, a low rumble of bikes that are going up and mm-hmm. down the main thoroughfare, which is down the end of the block from our house, but it's not a big deal. And we had a a really good ride into the station until we well, got I, yeah. to, to when you put up the picture. I know. Johnny spent all afternoon, because a little later tonight, we're going to have uh, Jack and Jen in, and we're doing an album release party for Jack yes. and Jen, and Johnny was baking all afternoon yes. long yes. for the album release party. I and made maple, walnut, banana muffins, but they're in the parking that? lot. Upside down. The yeah. birds are out there probably having a party right now. The seagulls are just, woohoo! this is a great Saturday night. If you go to our Facebook page, along with our other drive-in <laughs> pictures, you will see. And, and Johnny got this. It's a really cool, we thought was a really cool carrier. Very expensive, as I said. Urgh, expensive cake carrier. You said more than urgh. I did. It, in the parking dropped. lot, yes. Um, in fact, uh, I scared myself. because and I thought, ooh, <laughs> if we've been married how long? I didn't know she'd do that word. The, the cake carrier is two levels. It's got legs. So you've got one level yeah. of goodies, which I had one level of, and then you've got a second. It, it's like a two-story apartment building. Yep. So on the, the second story apartment i had all the brownies thankfully i had them wrapped separately so they would not pick up the banana scent Mm -hmm. and when everything flipped upside down on the parking lot i was able to salvage the brownies (sighs) yeah so we're gonna have a little fire at some point over the next few days and i'm gonna burn that sucker yep i don't know how well (laughs) it will burn but it will feel good it'll be cathartic for me (laughs) we we should uh introduce the assembled multitude and, and we have a a, a surfeit, a plethora... And a bunch. ...of people... We do. ...that are helping us do all this. Uh, one of them uh, 
left <laughs> before we got he realized oh okay let me get out of here before Our things the started playing and tom yeah. hit the door and he goes i'm out of here folks well, yeah, he knew there were spare brownies in the parking lot That's right. yeah, oh, you're right he heard that and he says hmm, maybe i can get the gulls to back up that was our buddy tom hoots and uh, the other voice you you heard is the man who is riding control here in our studio uh, and that would be uh uh Caleb Jordan. I know. I, w- I was looking. I have this whole list of, of names and things, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to see if anybody's missing. Now we go. Yeah. Caleb is in the studio with us. <laughs> yeah. And then on the other side of the connection. Yes. Do we have Brett Jackson tonight, or do we have Dan Long? You have both. All right. Cool. Well. Yes. Dan will thank- be taking over for me in about uh, an hour and 45 minutes. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Brett. You you had no sports to um, to monitor and and run tonight. Is that correct? Uh, we had Northwestern football earlier, but that earlier. was not me. So yeah. yes, I've been sports free today. Okay. How was the day today? Was it warm? Was it autumnal, um, or was it? <laughs> did it, was, it feel like winter? <laughs> no, it was chilly, but it wasn't. It was fall. It was fall. Yeah. But my brother posted. My brother posted some great pictures from Munster. Yeah. Apparently, we leave, and all of a sudden, it is the greatest fall color, color. week in the yeah. history of Chicago. <laughs> well, enjoy it, folks. Um, also, on the other side of the other other side of the glass is Julian. And how are you tonight, Julian? Doing quite well. A little sleepy, Good. but I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. As I said, we're not there to slap Julian about as we often do because he works. What do you work like a sixteen-hour day on Saturdays? Something like that. I yeah. lost count after eight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Julian just squeezes everything in in one day, and then he recuperates on his Sunday. I hope. I hope you get to re- recuperate tomorrow. And over in the newsroom uh, right now is Ron Brown. Hey, Ron. Hi, everybody. Hi there. Boy, what shocking news. Oh, yeah. Matthew oh, my Perry. What an so awful... So sad, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh my it's, gosh. It's surprising. 54 years old is far too young for anybody. Yeah. And, and he certainly seemed like he had been getting his life together. We saw the interview, I believe it was on 60 Minutes, uh, when his book, book came, out, came out. And he was very open about his problems with substance and things, but it seemed like he'd gotten his life on a good track. But, Ron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that TMZ is reporting that there was no foul play, no drugs were found at the scene of his death, that he was apparently in his jacuzzi, so more than likely he died of drowning Accidental in his jacuzzi. drowning is what it looks like right now, but of course, yeah, yeah. They're, they're obligated to investigate. But you're right, that's what TMZ yeah. is reporting, that there were yeah. no... Uh, drugs found at the scene, according to the police departments who were there and talked to TMZ. Right. But uh, He played pickleball for a couple of hours, and he came back from pickleball and sent um, his assistant off on an errand. So he was apparently there by himself when he got in the jacuzzi after exertion uh, for a couple of hours of playing pickleball. It's such a sad story, though. Oh, a little later tonight, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Jessica Radloff, who we've talked to before. She's the West Coast editor for Glamour magazine and also the author of the extraordinary Big Bang Theory book. And we're going to talk to her about uh, the, yeah. the latest that she has about um, Matthew, Matthew Perry. Perry. And it, I believe she probably has interviewed him before yeah. as an entertainment reporter. This is uh, our Halloween weekend, and I'm proud to say on our block we are one of a half dozen people who have lights, Halloween lights on our house. In fact, if you want to go to the Steve and Johnny Facebook page, and again, that's uh, facebook.com slash Show. 
When you get there, scroll down a couple posts, and you will see last <laughs> night we posted a video of, of how Halloween has exploded on our the porch of our little yellow house. The only thing that concerns me is the amber flickering light. I love that. Makes our house look like it's on fire. And I'm a little bit concerned that our neighbor walks by and gets it, you know, you get a glance out of the side of our eye and you go, oh, no. And he calls 911. So I said, you know, this is just kind of a, it's one of those big bulbs that looks like a flame that's mm-hmm. flickering. Yeah. But it looks like our little house is on fire. Just have to tell him, hey, if you see fire, it's okay. Yes. If you see smoke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Open the door and see, you know, get a better look before you call 911. And I didn't, I did not do it that way for that. Caleb hasn't seen that, so yes. I'm holding it up for him yes. right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that, that <laughs> is what the porch of our little yellow house They're looks like. Very spooky. <laughs> But it's cool because we got one house that's decked out in purple because purple's very Halloween y these days. Then we got a couple of houses that are just, I mean, they are just covered with orange lights. Mm-hmm. And then the house, um, Allison's house, where she's got the skeletons that are Florida skeletons because they're drinking drinks with umbrellas in them. They're wearing beach hats and flip flops. Yeah. The skeletons are. And yeah. they're all lit up too. So. so, so our whole show, since this is the beginning of uh, Halloween weekend, uh, there's a Halloween theme to the show. Yes. You might say our show is lit tonight. How's that? <laughs> okay, our show's lit tonight. All right. We have a lot to do tonight. Yes, we do. But it, before we do that, should we pause yeah, and, and we pay some should. bills? Okay, okay so uh, stay with us on WGN. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. Yeah, all the bumps tonight are going to be Halloween related. That's one of my favorite Halloween hits that never gets played anymore. It was a hit roughly 19, late 50s, early 60s. That was John Zacherly, who was a, a, a TV horror movie host out of New York. And, uh, I'm just checking here. Dinner with Drac, John Zacherly. I was about 1958, 59. So he was kind like of like a Spenguli yeah. of his day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this was his. This was like an accident, right? He did this cheesy song, and it took off and got played in New York. And next thing you know, it became a it, one-hit it, wonder. It became a, a, a national hit all over the country. Mm, 1958. And if you have it on vinyl, it's worth two dollars today. <laughs> That's all? It was probably, what, 49 cents back in the day? Yeah, probably. I I guess that's a good return on your money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That just... That kind of tickles me. Somewhere in our archives, that we have an interview with John Sackler, too. Yeah. Because remember, he said, uh, to this day, he... Back when we interviewed him, he was being invited to uh, conventions and horror conventions and yeah. horror shows. And, and he said, you know, pinch me. This was all an accident that this happened. Mm-hmm. But it was a legitimate hit for him. So if you want to look it up, it's Dinner with Drac by John Zacherly. I want to say that we will have our shout out a little later on this hour. But tonight, not only do we have all over Illinois tuned in, and we have a bunch of people tuned in from Wisconsin and Indiana. West Virginia is listening, and Tennessee, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Florida. And we thank you all for tuning in yeah. tonight, all over the country, uh, streaming, and some people are listening the old-fashioned way on their Redidio. And coming up later tonight, uh, 
We mentioned that we're going to be uh, replaying uh, Richard Crow and uh, his retelling of the legend of Resurrection Mary. And later tonight, we'll also be talking with Jessica Radloff about uh, the sad news about Matthew Perry. And a little later, Patrick Crispin joins us. We'll try to solve some uh, computer problems. And we're very excited about this. Those of you who were paying attention when we were down here the last time, we introduced you to an extraordinarily talented duo, Jack and Jen, who are actually Eli and Sandy, but we'll tell you why (laughs) Why? they're they're Jack and Jen when they get here. And they have a wonderful album Mm -hmm. that just came out. It's called Salty South. And they're doing some really fun things. Yeah. Not only with the music, but they have branched out into a little bit of animation and some special videos. And, well, we'll let them tell you all about it. So we're doing an album release party, which was the reason for all of the baking. Do you have to revisit it? Okay, I was just getting over it. I'm just saying. (laughs) I was just calming down. (laughs) And every time I look down at the end of the countertop, I'm like, That's not for you. That's for the stupid upside-down cupcakes. By the way, you can uh, give us a text anytime during the show or give us a call, 312-981-7200. That number again is 312-981-7200. And if you do have a chance to venture out tonight and uh, take a gander at that big full moon, uh, and, and as I said, when you see our pictures, you will see that we are not affected by light noise it's just a big black dark inky dark sky as far as you can see because we don't have a lot of high rises especially the way we drove into the station tonight and it's a full moon it's a, on a halloween weekend it's a big <laughs> hunter's moon but there's a little spot just below that a little shining star and that would be your jupiter so I looked it up to find out a little bit more information about this. Are you ready? I'm so surprised. Here we are. (laughs) 4.5 degrees, the lower left of the moon. That's 4.5 degrees. That's where you'll find... (laughs) Every line I want to say right now would would turn this into a parking lot. That's where you will find the lordly light. The lordly light belonging to the largest planet in the solar system. That sounds like Jupiter wrote that. Yeah. (laughs) I am the lordly light. You know, knowing him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It sounds like him or or Saturn. Or the beginning to Star Wars, (laughs) the the moon venture. So overnight, if you want to sit out there and watch this transition, slowly the moon will get closer to Jupiter. Slowly it turns. (laughs) And I just hope... Step by step. That your night is more exciting than that. <laughs> Stick with us. Maybe we can make that happen for you. Right? Yeah. Okay. And again, you can uh, text us at any time, 312-981-7200. Email us at email. Now, this is really our email address because people get confused. Email us <laughs> at steveandjohnny.com. But what's your email address? Email, email us, us at, at steveandjohnny.com. It's just like who's on first. I go, yeah, I, I know, but what's the address? It happens all the time, but that, that is legitimately our address. And I'm J-O-H-N-N-I-E. I, I love it when you write me a text while we're on the air and you, you put the Y in there. I'm still going to answer you, but get it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm testy tonight. <laughs> Strong message to follow. So uh, I think we're going to pause and yes. uh, stay with us. Bobby Boris Pickett and the Monster Mash, which became a hit several times. Can you believe it's 61 years old? 
No. And in 1962, it was number one in the U.S., but it was banned in the Great Britain area all across. I mean, BBC said, no, you why, cannot. Why did yeah. they ban it? It was too morbid. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Ten years later, it was number one on the charts on the BBC. Mm-hmm. It took ten years, and they got over the morbidity and went, "Woo, we like this song." <laughs> ten years later, <laughs> yeah, that was the the the, uh, the reason for banning it. It was too morbid. The monster mash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But that's you know, if it's Halloween, you got to play the monster mash. Mm-hmm. It may have been one of the biggest selling Halloween. Oh, probably. Hits. And you, if you're at home saying there are that many, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear a whole bunch of songs tonight that you don't hear any other time of the year, but the like the weekend of Halloween. Yeah. Well, that reminds me. There's another thing. We're not going to do it this week, but in one of the upcoming weeks, mm-hmm. we're going to do a show where all of the bumps are songs that were legitimately hits that you never, never hear. ever hear. They're not in the hot rotation of your oldie stations. And it's not because they're bad songs. It's just nobody mm-hmm. ever drops a needle on them. And boy, that's dating me, right? I'm dropping a needle on it. <laughs> we have so many things to cover tonight under the umbrella of our Halloween show. One of the things, before we left Chicago... As we were leaving the radio station, this would have been last Saturday night, Sunday mm-hmm. morning, we were driving northwest on the Kennedy Expressway, 9094, and I was just tickled because as we drive into the radio station, we take Lakeshore Drive, but as we left last week, we took the Kennedy Expressway up to the Edens Expressway, and just as you're approaching the Edens Expressway, before it splits for the Edens and the Kennedy to take you to the airport. You go past Novak Construction. A big, flat-roofed building that says Novak Construction, and it is all decked out for Halloween. And it's a tradition that just thrills me to no end. It never gets old. And I remember, I can't remember how many years ago, but I remember the very first time we talked to the guy that crawled up on the roof and put those lights up there. Mike, Who wanted you to, to, to join, join him. him, yes. Mike Marshock <laughs> is that guy. How are you tonight, Mike? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. How many years ago was it when the first uh, set of lights went up? Uh, when I first decoration, when we first built the building in 2000, our first was Christmas time. Our first, we put real Christmas trees up for the first year. And then year after year, all the different holidays, we started doing decorations. So it all evolved since year 2000. Wow. But when so did it be- 21 years? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> when did it become yeah. a thing that was going to change with all of the different holidays? I mean, I Every understand it, it's, everybody kind of decorates for Christmas. But then you, you've you gone into literally every single season, there are decorations. I would, I'd have to go back with Mr. Novak because when he started seeing the reaction people said for our Christmas stuff, it, it was just very minor stuff at the beginning. He goes, well, what about Valentine's Day? What about St. Patrick's Day? What about Easter? What about Fourth of July? What about Halloween? What? About, and of course, Thanksgiving. You know, we don't mm-hmm. get Thanksgiving over there. So that's how it all started evolving because a lot of people started writing in letters, or in the old days they wrote letters. Now it's through the email system right. there or phone calls too. So it's just well, really evolved, and a lot of positive reaction from people too. Well, you do know 
for a fact, because you got up early in the morning. You would hear us early in the morning. I've always taken credit for that because I have a year-round Christmas tree, so I was sure that Mr. Novak wanted to emulate what I do yeah. at our house with a year-round well, Christmas tree, right? He would drive by your house and see what you would do, and he'd have to, you know, he'd have sure. to you know, imagine in our building. And then we'd put a little sign there, Steve and Johnny display, brought to you by Novak Construction. Thank you. <laughs> And I remember the year when it was, it was, oh my gosh, it had to be well below zero. And you guys climbed up on yeah. that roof to put up the Christmas decorations. And you, being the good friend that you are, you said, hey, why don't you join us on the top of the roof while we put up these decorations? And I was busy that day. Well, you're on the roof, you're closer to the sun, so it's a little bit warmer up there, right? Oh, right, right. But, but wasn't that the, the year that you were almost blown off the roof? That's yeah. We were up, we had some. Um, it was like forty fifty mile hour winds, and uh, something was getting loose or something. And yeah. we went up there to try to tie. We went up there to get it, you know, uh, tied down a little bit better. And it was it was a little rough that day. <laughs> so well, cold this... wind, heat. You know, we have it all. Oh yeah, yeah. The heat too. Uh, this year the decorations are gorgeous. So folks, do not take this for granted because there used to be a lot of lighted signage in Chicago. And much of that went away. And thankfully, Novak has upheld this tradition for over 20 years now of decorating the rooftop. And it's so easy to see. It's it's not a distraction as you're driving along. And now, in particularly now, with all of the construction on the Kennedy, you're slowed down so you can actually take a look and, uh, <laughs> and, and enjoy and get it. a good picture. Yes. So uh, we've got everything Absolutely. from... We've got a, a spider. I'm trying to remember what I saw last week. I was trying to take pictures, too, as we were zipping by at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there's every imaginable Halloween-y lighted display. For example, how big would one of those displays be? One of the, the Right now, the, the skeleton that's up there, I think that's about 18 feet high. Wow. From, yeah, that's a big one. And then the, the witch is probably 12 feet high. And the ghost is probably about 14 feet high. Well, speaking of big displays, what was the yes. hardest display for you to anchor down on the roof? Well, years ago, we used to have this thing called the Toy Factory. It was a really big, elaborate Christmas time. And that was one of our hardest displays because there was a lot of wiring, and it, it, it was really a heavy display. And a few... And a, Unfortunately, the wind over the years took advantage of it. We had to retire it. But oh. the, I always remember the toy shop. That was very big. Yeah. Oh, the Christmas is still the gorgeous. Yeah. It, yeah. And it seems like it, it, it expanded. It got longer over the years, too. They took up more space. Yeah, yeah. We, we just started up on our main roof, and then mm-hmm. we owned, like, three little, two other warehouse sections, and then we bought the fourth warehouse so it eventually moved down the moved down the block as i was saying right and, and because i know we have people listening to us literally all over the country if you want to see what we're talking about go to novacconstruction.com slash holiday that's novac n-o-v-a-k construction.com slash holiday and there's a great display of every month's uh, lighted display on the top of the buildings. Yeah, yeah. Take just a moment. Take a moment and explain because when people see this, they're going to see the rosy display, the R O S I E. Can you quickly tell that story about why yeah. that display is up there? That was for a young lady, Rosie. I could not recall her last name. She was a young girl that was uh, she had a lot of medical issues, and she was always being transported by her mother in the middle of the night to Children's Memorial. 
And the only highlight for Rosie was passing our building, seeing the decorations. That made it just a little bit easier on her. So her mother contacted Novak and wanted to know if she could come see the building and see the decorations. And Mr. Novak said, why don't we put a sign up there and put the Valentine hearts up for her to make her birthday a little bit special. So we put that up there for her birthday. And make her feel a little bit better. That was a, you know, she, I think that was for her tenth birthday. She's got to be oh. about eighteen, nineteen by now. That's such a great story too, and spelled out her name, mm-hmm. Rosie, in pink lights yeah. with the the, the right. hearts on either end of it. It's so cool. Right. And I just know yeah. that's that's become like legend in Chicago because people, you know. I, I remember that people were saying, well, who's this Rosie? Is it Rosie O'Donnell? Who could this be? Is it Mr. <laughs> Novak's right. daughter? And so we tried to get the story out about the wonderful story about the little girl named Rosie. Wow. Right. I believe the Sun-Times had a front-page story on, it, on that, That's too. That's right. Yeah, they did. Fox yeah. News was there that day, too. Yeah, well, I never hesitate to thank uh, Mr. Novak and Novak Construction because it is a bright light in the night. And we can, again, tell our listeners, go to NovakConstruction.com slash holiday. And, Mike, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you. Okay, like I said, I did retire from Novak, but I still <laughs> offer my guidance and wisdom to what happens there. So. You're the consultant now, that's right. <laughs> yes, I am a consultant, believe it or not, but I certainly don't miss all the work I had to do. But I'm sure. I'm sure Thanks I'm a million. But I handed it off to good hands, and they're doing a great job. They, sure, they certainly are. Thank you so much, Mike. Great talking to you, Mike. Take, Take care. care. Right. Bye-bye. Stay with us. More coming up at WGN. Another man done gone. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WTN Radio. That's Bobby Bear, Marie Laveau, and I read an interesting bit of trivia. <laughs> that scream? Yeah. That was Shel Silverstein. Really? Because he wrote the song. Yeah. And he was at the session with Bobby Bear. Oh, that's fine. So he said, let me do this, and he did. I often wondered, like, was that a cat? Somebody stepped on its tail and got that horrible sound? <laughs> that's a great legend of Marie Laveau, and yeah. it's a really big story if you're down around New Orleans. we've got another song dealing with Marie Laveau that we're going to yeah. play a little later tonight. Yeah. I'm uh, such a tease. I was telling you off the air that apparently Marie Laveau was first recorded by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show two years before Bobby Bear did it. And I don't think I've ever heard that version. Me neither. It was on their album. Didn't go anywhere. Bobby Bear does it a couple of years later. 1973 was the year. And Bobby's version was so funky. It went to number one Mm -hmm. on the country charts for a week. But it was in the top 40 for four months. Yeah. On the country charts. Yep. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a really funny. What year was that? 73. 73, yeah. Very good year. Now, I'm going to look up the Dr. Hook version, too. Okay. That's very cool. All right. We said we want to uh, thank you all for tuning in from all over the country. And I'm sure we got people listening around the world because they're streaming our show. But first one in seems to be Mr. Norb in Aurora. He chimes in. Norb Rosansky. Thank you, Norb. Jeffrey Welshantz in Elkins, West Virginia. Michelle Major is in Norwich. J.P. John Paul is tuned in. And a lot of people are saying thank you for playing any of Richard Crow. We really look forward to that because that means it is officially Halloween. And that's going to be coming up uh, in the next hour. Yep. Uh, Brian Lefevre, he's one of our top fans. He's tuned in. Helen Thomas in Kenosha. Chuck Snitchler and a belated happy birthday. 
from Boobart, Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know it is Hobart, but it's Boobart. Uh, Chuck had a birthday yesterday, and he's the best friend to this radio station. Hands down, number one, top fan. I think he knows more trivia about this radio station <laughs> than, than, than people who work here. And we've been here three decades, so that says a lot. Uh, Diane Vasquez, thank you for tuning in. Carol Roberts is listening on her iPhone. Joe Smith in Nashville. Joan Kubchak, uh, uh, forgive me, I'm reading off my phone, so if I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry. She's in Greendale, Wisconsin. Blame the phone. I am blaming the phone, yes. Um, Bonnie Pearson is in Gray's Lake. And Ron Oltman, he's one of our top fans in Sycamore. Bobby Danos is out in Sandwich, Illinois. Richard Vanna is in Lansing, Illinois. John Couture is tuned in. Tracy Douglas is in Savannah, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in. One of our favorite places. Yeah. We, we had It was literally the best day of our honeymoon in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. And that's kind of a spooky place, too. A spooky town. I'm sure yeah. they got some great stories, too. Uh, Stephen Verheron is uh, tuned in. Robin Aiken is listening uh, from Port Charlotte, Florida. Uh, Bob Metzger tuned in. Uh, Donna Lacurisisusasosa. <laughs> That's exactly how you say it phonetically. I'm sorry, Donna. Gene Jacobson is in Milwaukee. Joan Bloom is in Greenville, South Carolina. Delphine Behrman, Diane Erickson, Renee Wish, Diane Kappas is tuned in. Celine Ellers, Dorothy Orsini. Uh, Peter Jacobowitz is in Citrus County, Florida, listening on his Sea Crane Wi-Fi 3 radio. Those are great yeah. radios. In fact, we... we uh I've, I've told how we set one up for my brother in Munster because he wants to listen to some uh, stations that are in the north Chicago suburbs. But also, we just got one down here, and we're setting it up, so we're going to be able mm-hmm. to listen to some stations or listen back to in Chicago. yeah, listen to the yeah. news. We don't have to sit in our driveway and listen to WGN on our car radio mm-hmm. that way. Uh, Nancy Hollins is tuned in. Looking forward to Resurrection Mary. Nancy Witt is listening from Milwaukee. And if I quickly go over to the text, uh, Helen Back is listening in Hoffman Estates. Uh, listening on her bedside radio tonight is Donna Youngheim, and she is in Oak Lawn. And finally, if I'm... We're miss- getting out to Oak Lawn tonight? Yeah, we are. Oh, I think we had two or three people listening from Chicago. I think. But wow. We got people in Nevada and Oklahoma. Maybe a few are listening in Chicago. Thank you all. If I didn't get to you this week, I'll get you next week. But you have to tune in so that you'll hear your name on the radio. And throughout the show, you can always text us at 312-981-7200. That number again, 312-981-7200. I don't like that voice. <laughs> And you know what? I have one nerve left. <laughs> you don't oh, want you've got one left. You don't want to step on that one nerve. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying to get my head in a different place <laughs> because I wasted a Saturday afternoon, and it's all in the parking lot, and the seagulls are eating it. Sorry. By the way, if you want to see a picture, have you posted that picture? No, I haven't posted that picture of because me. Because there is a picture uh, that I just took of this and actually g- gentle person next to me. <laughs> I posed for it. And, and she is wearing a, a shirt that says 1692, and then there's a witch's hat, and then it says, they missed one. <laughs> I'll work so. on that. Okay. <laughs> So we're going to post that a little later. And if you want to go to our Facebook page to see some of the things that we've already posted, uh, that would be facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. And if you want to go to our blog, and we really wish you would, 
That's steveandjohnny.wordpress.com. And for people that have been asking, yes, that's where you will find, uh, in a day or so, we'll post a link to the podcast for the show and also links to the songs that we're using as bumps. And over the next few days, we're going to be posting some additional Tommy Emmanuel videos. Yes. We've got at least three more songs that we're going to be posting. Yep. That were uh, performed by Tommy, and and that thank was two you for, weeks ago. Yeah, that was a fun night. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot more coming up. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Welcome, Welcome to my to nightmare. My breakdown. Little Alice Cooper, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, and it is. Um, it's a must-play at Halloween. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, now we should probably do a little bit of explanation. In a couple minutes, we're going to get to something that uh, is, we think, kind of special. For many, many years, even before Johnny and I started working together, mm-hmm. every Halloween, and this goes back to the Ed Schwartz days, right? Richard Crow, Chicago's Ghost Hunter, would be a guest on Eddie's show. When Johnny and I started working at another radio station... We became friends with Richard, and we would both have him on our individual shows. Right. As we were dating, we wound up going on some of Richard's tours. We became <laughs> friends with Richard. Richard was at our wedding. In fact, I will never forget the, yes. the, the, the wedding dance. And when you threw the garter, Richard was fighting other people to get the garter because... He knew if he went to Rush Street and took the garter, he could drink for free in some of the restaurants on Rush Street. <laughs> so when you see the video of Richard pushing everybody out of the way, these guys are falling. Because yeah. Richard was a big man. He was going to get that garter. And he said, well, my night, it just got better. But Richard, for years, he, uh, he made a career yes. out of doing tours and researching the legends of Chicago's ghosts. He graduated from DePaul, I think it was in 1973, and he started the first ghost tour, bus tour, in the world. The Mm -hmm. very first, and it was right in Chicago. And eventually the bus tours, which were so popular, became boat cruises where he would take you out and then talk about ghosts on the water Mm -hmm. on Lake Michigan. Uh, He was a much sought-after guest. He was a regular on our show. He was on the Oprah show. He was on uh, national television, Mm -hmm. especially around October. And he was really, really respected as a guy who knew what he was talking about. He researched these ghost stories. And one of the most famous ghost stories was the legend of Resurrection Mary. Steve King and Johnny Putman on WGN Radio. Chicago's Ghost Hunter, Richard Crow in the studio with us. And we've talked about a lot of Chicago's legends, a lot of ghost stories. Uh, but there is one that we get so many requests for from people who have uh, heard it year after year. And people want to know if there's any updates. And people who are new to our show that yes. are saying, what is this all about Resurrection Mary? Resurrection Mary, in fact, is... Um recognized around the world, isn't she? Richard? Yes, indeed. 
because uh, other cities, uh, even over in Europe, they'll talk about their hitchhiking ghost, but everybody kind of bows to Resurrection Mary as she's the number one hitchhiking Resurrection ghost. Mary has the staying power of all yeah. the hitchhiking ghost phantom hitchhikers around, yes. Right. Now, she was a young girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think she was a teenager, or the, late teens. The, the legend is that uh, uh, she was a young lady, uh, probably about 2021 or so, mm. perhaps, uh, when in the mid-1930s, uh, the fascination for a lot of young women was the big band sound of that era. That was her motivation to get out there and go to dances and parties, clubs, halls, and dance the night away in the hardwood floor to that music. And uh, that lifestyle, which was, you know, back in those days, people didn't stay home like couch potatoes like today. Yeah. I mean, you didn't uh, stay home and listen to CDs. You went out there and found live music to go to and dance. And she would be out there three, four, five times per week. And uh, one night coming back from a party, was involved in an automobile accident, and she's killed. Now, the family uh, has prepared for burial. And here's where it gets to be almost like a fairy tale here. She's buried with her dancing slippers on her feet in her party dress with her dancing slippers on her feet. And that sets her up because when she is buried at the family plot, Resurrection Cemetery, 200,000 dead, Roman Catholic, primarily Polish-American, south-southwest of Chicago and Justice, Illinois, laid to rest. That's only the beginning because she comes back for the dead back to the clubs, the halls, the parties that she went to when she was alive, only now she's a ghost on borrowed time because she can only be out there as long as the music plays. When the music stops, time for her to go home at the end of the night, and that means get some unsuspecting young man to give her a lift down Archer Avenue, disappear in the vehicle as she passes by the, the cemetery, Resurrection, where she's buried, or she'll even sometimes ask to be let out of the car, run up to the gate, up to the fence, melt away there before the uh, eyes of that young man. And, of course, for most people... It's an urban myth, legend, folktale, no basis in reality. But when you realize that there are dozens of people, uh, at least, that have been interviewed over the years that come forward with these stories, there's definitely something going on. We've talked to easily a half dozen uh, men. It's usually, I mean, it's always been men that we've talked to. Including police officers. Including police officers and truck drivers. And uh, and they often will comment on the fact that uh, when they picked her up, they knew that there was something different about her because her style of dress, whether she was picked up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, it always looked like she was out of step with the, the times. And... Uh, <laughs> Literally, we we talked to a truck driver. I'll never forget this. He burst into tears. He said, mm-hmm. people don't believe me when I tell them that I, I picked her up and that she just disappeared. She was in my cab, and then she wasn't in my cab. And, Richard, you, you have a, a, a real personal connection to this story, and people can see some, some pictures of what you're about to tell in your book, right? About the cemetery and the gate of the cemetery. Right. Um, back in 1976... Uh, a teacher from Curie High School informed me that her brother, a fireman in justice, uh, had been talking to a police officer from the Justice PD, Sergeant Pat Homa, who had come from a military background in Vietnam and became a police officer out there in justice and was in a squad car one night on a routine police ride. Uh, this was one man, one squad uh, situation. And just after 10 p.m. on this uh, July night, 
he's told to uh, proceed to the front gates of the cemetery that there's a supposed woman locked inside the cemetery, blonde in a white dress, which, of course, he doesn't believe for a second because a lot of crank phone calls when your jurisdiction includes a so-called haunted cemetery. Mm -hmm. But he goes out there to check, gets out of the squad, walks up to the gate, shines a flashlight back and forth. He sees nobody inside. But then before he leaves spots the fact that two of the bars are bent apart laterally and these bronze bars are one sixteenth of an inch thick so they're hollow but they're thicker than the width of a penny the thickness of a penny they were yanked apart handprints were impressed into the metal and squeezed under the bronze and uh, you could see a scorching of the metal on, uh, where the contact points made, ball of thumb, knuckles, and, and fingertips, and so forth. And um, at first thinking, of course, it had to be some kind of an elaborate hoax or prank, dawned on him, I mean, come on, you'd have to uh, cordon off the area, bring in expensive heavy equipment, and you could not get away with faking that without being spotted by hundreds of motorists driving by on a regular basis 150 feet away mm-hmm. on Archer Avenue. So he talks about that to uh, all the other employees there that he's in contact with in justice. That's how the word spread. I contacted him. I photographed the bars, and I would watch to see what would happen next. Well, I knew the cemetery was getting very upset, so I would write to the Catholic Cemetery Board in the spring of 1977 and offer to buy those bars for my collection. And as you both know, I've got a collection of unusual memorabilia from all around the world in my travels of supernatural related material i'd love to have bars with handprints of a ghost in it but the cemetery would not sell i got a curt letter back from uh, the archdiocesan cemetery board signed pat quinn Mm -hmm. the father of our current governor who ran the archdiocesan cemeteries back in those days under cardinal cody and i was turned down and right after that happened, I'm driving by, and I spot the uh, the bars from a distance, and they're burned black. It was an attempt of at the cemetery to blowtorch the marks away, which did not work, and people still kept coming, and they would come and wrap their hands around the metal and feel the impressions in the metal and so forth. And as that continued, and Halloween is approaching, the next step on the part of the cemetery was to saw the bars out. The two bars were cut out, sent away. I didn't think they'd ever come back, but they did over a year later, December of 1978. During the time they were missing, there was mesh tied into place over the gaping hole, and these bars were sent to a mill, straightened, and the handprints obliterated. They're back. They've been repainted now three times, black, then green, then gold. But it's all an attempt to cover up and suppress, destroy. But in my book and in my DVD, I've got the photographs of the bars. You can see it for yourself Mm -hmm. that something very special happened out there back in the summer of 1976. And that's only one aspect of the Resurrection Mary uh, material that's out there. I I think it's very important, though, because uh, it's more than just a sighting. It's more than just a... Mm -hmm. Uh, eyewitness report, if you will, because it's actual physical evidence that existed for a time right there at that spot. Now, there are a couple of uh, pubs, um, restaurants, and bars on Archer. Has Mary ever ended up uh, outside of any of these establishments? Well, the, the, the one bar out there, Chet's Melody Lounge, attracts a lot of attention because mm-hmm. it's the only bar open for miles on that stretch of roadway across the street from the cemetery. Uh, here, here's a uh, very interesting tale from 1980. Uh, the deacon from the Greek church out there, Holy Cross, uh, was coming back to the last service on a Sunday night, and uh, this is in the summer of 1980, and he's coming up along Archer Avenue, north by northeast. As he gets to the front gates, he spots Mary out there in the roadway. So he hits the brakes, and she disappears. At that point, he does a U-turn, and he winds up at Chet's Melody Lounge to get a stiff drink. <laughs> and he talks about what happened. Word gets out to a reporter from the Valley Times 
published in Lyons, Illinois back then, and that reporter contacts the, uh, uh, the deacon of the church, interviews him, stories picked up locally, but then gets picked up by USA Today, goes international, and that deacon at that point uh, goes to his superiors in the Greek church and requests a new assignment, and they send him to Denver, they send him to Dallas, but he will not come back to Chicago any longer, doesn't want to be in the area in the Midwest anymore because of his fear of what happened that night. And as I like to tell people, I mean, what is he worried about? Mm -hmm. It's not Freddy Krueger, it's Resurrection Mary, (laughs) but it was too much for him to handle, so he doesn't want to be in the area any longer. You talked about earlier how uh, there haven't been as, as many sightings of Resurrection Mary because you don't have the live music out in that area anymore. But what, what was the most, uh, to your knowledge, the most recent reasonably documentable sighting of Resurrection Mary? The most there? recent would have been uh, a UPS driver just three years ago. Three years ago. The, you know, now, that's what I know. And the point is, uh, as you know uh, from talking to people, Johnny, when you've got people who have a very intense experience like this that's uh, so soul-shaking here that they don't automatically come forward right. within a six months or a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Often it's five years down the road or so before I even hear about it because they don't want to come uh, come up and admit to that for fear of ridicule, for fear they're going to be uh, in some way uh, stigmatized here for coming up with a story that uh, is not supposed to be real. I remember in the early 80s we talked to employees from Chet's Melody Lounge and they recounted what happened the night when the deacon ended up there. Of course we couldn't talk to the deacon. He mm-hmm. didn't want to talk. Uh, over the years when we we talked to the truck drivers. I remember they used different names yeah. because they said, no one mm-hmm. will believe me. I don't want people to think that I'm a nut. I don't want my job to be in jeopardy. I don't want uh, people well, to di- think I'm drinking while I'm you know, I'm on the job. Right. District Towing is just a couple doors away from Chet's uh, Melody Lounge. And on my DVD, for instance, I've got a great interview with a uh, uh, tow truck driver about his incident, uh, his tie-in with a, a first-hand account like this. But I think one of the more curious cases dates from the year 2000, and that's a young lady from Thailand that I met, Jeannie, mm-hmm. and I tell you her last name, but I can't pronounce it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those Thai names are so convoluted. Uh, but Jeannie told me about the night. Uh, I was in the month of May, and once the full moon in the sky in so many of these cases, by the way, and she's coming along Archer Avenue, north by northeast, comes to where Roberts Road and Archer touch, if you know the area, traffic light right there, and she's waiting there for the traffic light to turn green. Well, she's waiting for the light to turn, she spots a woman in white coming up along the side of the vehicle. Now, because it's May, because it's prom time, she thought, in a weekend, she thought it was just a prom date that went awry until she realizes the figure coming up along the side of the vehicle has no face. It's a faceless ghost. Jeannie runs the red light, gets home, wakes up her sister, tries to explain to her what happened. The sisters from Thailand did not grow up in the area, so the sister's useless to help explain it. But luckily, the sister's married to a local guy. The two women drag him out of bed and explain what happened. And he says, don't worry about it. It's only the ghost of resurrection uh, cemetery, yada, yada, yada. And so at that point, uh, Jeannie uh, said that she knew she had a ghostly experience. She described it to me later, knowing of my interest in this. But because of Jeannie's English uh, situation here, not knowing English 100%, and because of her agitated state of mind, she misheard what her brother-in-law told her. And as she described the incident to me, she said, that's the night that she encountered graduation, Mary. 
<laughs> so got the graduation period of time mixed up with the uh, the name Resurrection Mary. And right after that happened, uh, she went to a gambling boat and won big money. And she attributed that change in her luck into the Resurrection Mary sighting. So being a good, devout Buddhist, she gets some uh, prayers on colored paper, sticks those prayers on different posts out there where she saw Resurrection Mary right after that happened, after she sticks the prayers out there uh, for the soul of Resurrection Mary, uh, buys a lottery ticket, wins more big money. So I I think that uh, those out there in the audience that are fearful of Resurrection Mary had better look at it a different way, maybe with a a different uh, viewpoint here, that perhaps if you see Resurrection Mary, it signifies not something scary or whatever, but signifies a possibility of great change in your life by a lottery ticket. We did with Richard Crow, Chicago's Ghost Hunter. That would have been in October of 2011. And, and we think that was his last radio interview, yeah. too, because that was Halloween week, and he was so busy during the week of Halloween. Uh, Richard passed away in June of 2012, so he's been gone for 11 years now. He is 64 years old. He uh, died of complications of uh, pancreatic cancer, and he was buried at Resurrection Cemetery. If you'd like to read a little bit more about Richard, you can go to our blog, stevenjohnny.wordpress.com, and just do a search for Richard Crow, and you will find we did a lengthy blog piece when Richard passed. And that's Crow with an E on the end. He was very proud of that. And Mm -hmm. every St. Patrick's Day, we would talk to his relatives over in Ireland, Austin Crow. And sadly, um, Austin Crow just passed away within the past uh, couple days. Yeah, you all probably remember those conversations with Austin. He was equally as colorful as Richard was. Uh, Richard mentioned his book a few times, uh, Ghost Curses, Jinxes, Chicago's Street Guy to the supernatural it's a great book beautiful book he had us write a little uh, piece for the back of the book which was an honor there is one copy left available new on amazon and if you have any interest in it it is available on amazon just type in richard crow c-r-o-w-e and you can grab it for 31 dollars and 38 cents i can only imagine what's what's in that book Oh, you would love it, Gabe. We'll bring it in for you to see. Yeah, Yeah, because every neighborhood is covered. It's stuff that Richard never even talked about on the radio, which blew me away. I thought after all these years, because we there are uh, interviews that we did with him on um, YouTube that go back to, in your case, 1981, and in my case, 1982. Just do a search or go to uh, our YouTube page. That's Steve and Johnny Show. Steve and Johnny show at YouTube and look we've got a whole section of interviews just look on the, some of our playlists and you'll find a bunch of interviews with Richard Crow right so we're going to talk with our friend Jessica Radloff uh, who you know from uh, her days uh, being the West Coast editor for Glamour magazine and her Big Bang Theory book but tonight uh, some really sad news tonight uh, of the the death of Matthew Perry. Right. Chandler Bing from the very popular sitcom Friends. Uh, he was in 234 episodes of Friends, and his character was, out of all the Friends, it was one of the most popular characters on the show. And Matthew just 
put out a an autobiography mm-hmm. last November, and in the autobiography and also in subsequent interviews, he was very open about some of his problems with substance abuse and, and things that caused him not to remember a lot of what he did in various right. portions of his life. Now, at this point, there is zero evidence that substance had anything to do with Matthew's death. Or any foul play, for that yeah. matter. But, of course, there's an investigation going on. Uh, we wanted to spend a few minutes and talk about his career. Uh, a year ago, uh, in October, we met Jessica Radloff. She is the author of The Big Bang Theory, the definitive inside story of the epic hit series. Big Bang, like Friends, is a perennial favorite in reruns. Uh, Jessica is also the West Coast editor for Glamour Magazine and writes about entertainment daily. Uh, Jessica's with us on the line. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I I hate the occasion why we're speaking, but I'm also glad to talk about Matthew, who was just so talented and so nice. Well, we have to ask you, uh, did you have the opportunity to interview Matthew? I did, and I feel so privileged and lucky. I've I've been able to interview every single one of the Friends cast members, which was truly a dream as somebody who grew up with Friends and loved Friends so much. I first met Matthew in 2015. He was promoting The Odd Couple, which was airing on CBS because he brought it back with Thomas Lennon. And CBS invited me over to the studios to fill out our March Madness brackets. And Matthew, myself, and Thomas were doing it together. And it was such a thrill because it's like, first of all, I wrote about this for Glamour. And I said, you know, I love sports. I love eating. And I love television. So how lucky am I that they, I think they ordered lunch that day. And, you know, here we were filling out March Madness brackets. And then we were talking about TV and The greatest thing was that I got to talk to Matthew about my favorite episodes from Friends, and he started quoting lines as Chandler Bing. And that was such an epic moment in my career to be able to share that with him. And when we took pictures, and I I posted it on my Instagram tonight because it was just, it, it really was a special moment. And even though he said in his book that he did forget so much, um, it was very clear even then, you know, nine, eight, nine years ago at this point, he still remembered quite a bit from the yeah. show. And the fact that he did remember lines from it, I mean, I, I think that is so heartwarming to any fan because the show meant everything to him. Well, that that was one of the interesting things in watching the interview he did last year in November promoting the book. While he said yeah. there were there were points of his life that he didn't remember, and yet he was so clear about so many things. He he just seemed to be a really sharp guy. He really was, and you know what's so interesting? So um, I was with his publicist, Lisa Costeller, his longtime publicist, um, back in August of last year because we were shooting her client Jennifer Hudson for one of Glamour's Women of the Year awards and Lisa was telling me Lisa and I were talking about the fact that here I had the Big Bang book coming out in October and then just a couple weeks later Matthew's book was coming out and I remember talking to Lisa about it and she was saying to me I said I can't wait to read this Lisa and she said you know what she's like 
I think you're really going to enjoy it. But all Matthew cares about in this book is that he helped people. That's the only thing that he wanted people to take away from it is that if somebody could find solace and comfort in his story and the struggles he went through, then he did his job. So as devastated and as sad as I am tonight, and, and I was upon hearing the news, I am also so glad that he was able to get this book out before his passing and had a whole year almost with fans that he could receive the love that they gave him for this Mm -hmm. book because he really did help people who struggled with addiction of any kind. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful, raw read. I don't believe, uh, I haven't read the book, so I don't know this for a fact, but from the interviews that I saw with him, I don't believe he he had this burning desire to get back on television or, or... or to do movies. Did, did you get the impression yeah. that, you know, yeah. if the right thing came along? But, I mean, he'd, he'd already had the pinnacle of success with he, friends. He and, almost seemed like he was at a point in his life where he was actually starting to relax. Right. And I think, you know, I think what I read was that his last acting job was actually in 2017, which was six years ago now. Um, but I think the book, in many ways, was his most important work that he Mm -hmm. did because Mm -hmm. he really did want to help others because so much of his life had been spent battling his addictions and his demons. And I think that especially in this last year, you know, he said in the book that no day was really easy. You know, it's always you're making a choice and you're working so hard to stay as healthy as you can. But I do think that he found so much comfort and love from the love he got from the fans and and those that he knew and he was really working hard at taking care of himself obviously we don't know what exactly happened um but i i really do believe he had found peace especially in this last year mm-hmm. well we are told that he was healthy enough to get out on the pickleball court and to play a couple of hours of pickleball today and then came home, sent his assistant off on an errand, got in the jacuzzi, and uh, he he was pronounced dead. They are at this point in time, they're saying more than likely it was a drowning that who knows. Uh, Have you heard any more information? You know, I've heard the same as as everybody else that's been reported out there, and it's always so hard because when these things happen and it's so untimely, you know, we all want answers. We all want to know what happens, and and it's hard to just wait and have to hear what's going on. Um, That's exactly what I heard as well. You know, in his book, he starts off by saying that he should be dead. He was on life support at one point Mm -hmm. over the last few years. His... um, I think his colon had ruptured at one point. He was uh, in a coma for months. Um, He said, I I totally should be dead. And he also talked in the book that, you know, somebody like him, what, how do you, how does your life keep going when you, even if you've survived that, like that's very hard. And there's part of me again, that I, we don't know anything, um, you know, your heart, once it's gone through something like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's very, I would imagine it's very hard to live well into your 80s and 90s yeah. after your body has gone through all of that. Um, even if you've gotten healthy, you know, it, it could just be, you know, I, I heard that there was 
uh, it was a call for uh, a cardiac, um, you know, occasion or something here. So it could have just been that his heart gave out, and we don't know. And that's what's so hard, because you just want answers to something like this. And right now, there isn't any. But by all accounts of what I heard, there was no foul play. There was no drugs or anything found at the scene. And, and you know, that's why it's, it's also such a tragedy, too, because he was in his probably as good a place um, that at least we were led to believe, you know, we just, we don't know yet. And, mm-hmm. and that's hard. It's just, it's a tragedy. And, um, but I do think there's so much positivity that he brought into the world over the last year by being as candid and as open mm-hmm. as he was. Um, and I think that was as much as he made us laugh. I think that was one of his greatest gifts. Jessica, have you seen on uh, Instagram or on X, uh, any of the other cast members uh, responding to the surprising news tonight? As of about 10 minutes ago when I was checking, the only ones that I had really seen were from Selma Blair, who um, I believe he dated at one point decades ago, and, and she expressed how heartbroken she was. Oh, they were in a um, movie in together. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah they okay, did movie. Yeah, that was yeah. it, too. Yeah, um, also Padgett Brewster, who played his one-time love interest on Friends. Oh, yes. Um, she commented, and she posted on X, and she said that every time she was on the show, he treated her with such respect, and he was so lovely and so wonderful. And it was a really moving post that she posted, and I, I just retweeted it or whatever we call it on X now when that happens. Mm. Um but she posted that, and I imagine that the cast of Friends, knowing how close they all were with him, um, we may not see a, a tribute or a statement from them for a little bit, at least. Um, they might release something together. I imagine they're grieving really hard right now yeah. um, because they were as tight-knit of a group than any. Mm-hmm. From meeting him, I wonder if your up-close uh, impression was the same that, that mine was, just from observing him on Friends. All actors and actresses, they try to hone their craft. They really work at yeah. it. I understand that. But given that, I always had the feeling that there was an incredible amount of natural talent that made Matthew Perry as successful as he was. And a very funny actor, too. Yeah. Like, naturally funny. Well, oh, was that, was that so the vibe brilliant. you got from and, him? Yeah, and in fact, you you made me remember, I completely forgot, I actually got to go to a taping of Friends um, back in 2001, I want to say, 2001 or 2002, and I got to see him do a lot of his scenes, and, you know, they would change things on the floor, meaning, you know, they would do rewrites and have him do a scene a different way and they'd give him new material. And he just nailed it, take after take. And that's, you know, I I think they said it was only in season nine that he, or he said in season nine, that was the only season that he was truly sober. Um, And it was amazing then to see how he pulled off what he did. You know, this this just wasn't him, you know, gliding along and, and, you know, doing a, a decent performance. He was brilliant on this show. I mean, they all were, but what he did with the character of Chandler and anybody else's hands, this could have been a really unlikable role. And it was the hardest to cast. The executive producers have said that. And and he just made it his own. He was sarcastic, but he was lovable. And 
there was nothing like watching a scene with him and Matt LeBlanc as mm-hmm. Joey. Um, those two forever, the best bromance I've ever seen on television. <laughs> yes. Um, and then also, yeah, his romance with Monica, you know, Courtney Cox, like what they had together. It mm-hmm. was just. He, he was just brilliant. His delivery, his comedic timing, it was so spot on and and intelligent in the way that he went about it. So, yeah, it's one of those things you cannot learn. He had it from the beginning. Um, and and it was there. And, and that's why I even said, you know, in the Glamour article when I interviewed him, he when he was reciting a couple lines to me, he did it in the exact way that Chandler said it. You know, some actors, if they recite a line to you in an interview, it'll just be them doing a line reading of it, and you're like, oh, gosh, I'd rather just remember when I saw it on screen. But he he committed to it when I was with him, and that was so fun because it was like, (laughs) oh, my God, Chandler's in there. And he just, yeah, there was a delivery like none other. And, you know, I think I was thinking about this tonight, or especially as you were playing the theme song, I don't think we're ever going to make peace with the fact that he is gone physically because he will always be with us. You know, we Mm -hmm. watch Friends when we go to bed. Um, It's on Max streaming. Like, this show lives on. He's going to live on. It's going to be weird to think he's not around anymore in the physical sense like that because this kind of humor and what he brought to us, that never goes away. And I so prefer to remember him that way then one of the hardest celebrity interviews I ever saw on television was his interview with Diane Sawyer. That was so painful. So I would rather remember him as Chandler Bing any day. And Jessica, thank you for sharing your memories with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This has been a big month for you. Your Big Bang book is now out in paperback. That was big news just a couple weeks ago. Congratulations on that. And uh, thank, thank you, you for You're thank so you for sweet. being our, our our buddy on the West Coast. We really appreciate oh, it. And I my, look forward to the next time pleasure. we get to talk to you on a much happier note. On a much happier note, but you know, I, I have to say, I was so glad to, that your producer reached out to ask to talk to uh, you about Matthew because he really did bring so much joy, and I think we should take that with us. Um, and again, like I'm so happy he had a full year with the book out so that he could see how other people responded and. He helped so many, and we get to still laugh and enjoy him on our TV screens. I I can't think of a better legacy than making people laugh, and then also knowing that those that were lucky to meet him walked away feeling so much better about themselves, too. Absolutely. Thank you, Jessica. Take care. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye now. We'll take a break. More coming up. WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio. I always hate to interrupt I know. our late friend Screaming Jay Hawkins. Every time that we play that, I think of one of the final times that we saw Screaming Jay. And for those of you who are new to our relationship with Screaming Jay, we were very fortunate to have Screaming Jay Hawkins as a dear friend. We interviewed him several times when he was living over in Paris. And. Uh, are very proud of the fact that many, many years ago there were people listening to us who were doing the Chicago Blues Fest, and because of our relationship with Screamin' Jay, they got in touch with us and said, can you put us in touch with Screamin' Jay? We did. They had him come over to Chicago to headline the 13th 
annual Chicago Blues Fest. And when he was over here then, we took him to Fantasy Headquarters because he needed to buy props, some props. And one of the props he needed to buy was a, a toilet so he could perform the Constipation Blues. And he loved the fact <laughs> that he got the city of Chicago to pay for a toilet that he used on stage. <laughs> that he would use for three minutes on stage. He said, doesn't that seem appropriate to have government pay for that? <laughs> and uh, he was just such a fun person. He was a wonderful and, man. And, uh, you know, my memories of him are uh, we went to his hotel to say goodbye to him. Yeah. Uh, when he performed at the Blues Fest on that Sunday night, it was a full moon mm-hmm. for the 13th Blues Fest. He was wildly popular. There are great stories about Screamin' Jay after he passed. We learned that he claimed to be the father of anywhere from 55 to 75 children. Yeah. And before he passed away, he did meet a dozen of them. So <laughs> there were a whole bunch of people that were vying for some part of his estate. He put a lot of spells. <laughs> on a lot of women out there, yes. Um, well, again, one of our Halloween memories tonight as we're celebrating halloween weekend and uh and and to tie this together there are a lot of spooky things that can happen to your computer what a segue steve there are a lot of spooky things that happen on the internet well Uh, there's that so we are happy to welcome our computer expert from the left side of the country dr patrick christman hey patrick Woohoo! How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. Gosh, um, I, I'm still thinking about somebody having 55 to 75 children, but <laughs> you have to forgive me for that. Yeah, My mind wandered. Uh, <laughs> by, by the way, Patrick, okay. are, are, do, do we start uh, the segment with you by holding a memorial service for Pebble? <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> Pebble is. It's gone. Um, well, let's back up. There well, was exactly one user. His name was Steve. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and actually, I I think it's technically still around till November first. But it but they're doing something November very 1st. cool. That they have said that if you have had a Pebble account, they're giving you a link where you can download anything you ever posted on. So if you want pictures or, or whatever, and right. it, it's a shame because I I think. That the people who put Pebble together originally T two, then segued to Pebble. Yes. Their hearts were in the right place, but the competition was just too stiff. For us Luddites, uh, uh, Patrick, yeah, explain to the rest here. of us what 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 was Pebble. <laughs> okay, so we all know what Twitter is. Twitter's been around for a long time, and uh, apparently Elon Musk decided to buy Twitter and fire everybody and uh there were some twitter employees sarah o and gabor sizel uh and sarah actually got fired and sizel called her into the office and said hey uh are you you know i'm I'm really really sorry that this happened to you uh congratulations i got a new job for you we're going to start up a new social media platform called t2 and they basically started development back in November of last year. They've hired a chief technology officer. They ended up, you know, branding this thing as being T2. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then they said, you know what? I think we want to change the name of this T2. Nobody understands what that is. 
let's call it Pebble because we want to have make a ripple in the social media landscape. So we'll call it Pebble. And then, so they announced this back on February, no, on, on September 15th. And then October 24th, they said, yeah, um, there are a lot of social media sites, aren't there? <laughs> and a lot of new social media sites. And the amount of money it costs to make a social media site is a lot of money. And we're not getting a lot of venture capitalists to pay for it. And it turns out that... Uh, we're going to have to pull the plug on this. So they gave you a heads up. They're going to have you, they're going to shut down on the first of November, 2023, about a one year after it started. Uh, as Steve said, if you have signed up for, for Pebble, um, or T2, uh, you need to get your stuff off of there if you want it. Like most people, we've talked about this in the past. Most people don't actually delete things from social media. They just leave it and just mm-hmm. walk away. So if you're a T2 or Pebble user, uh, it's time for you to walk away and just go to the millions of other sites out there. I got to tell you, I, I'm thinking more and more threads could win this thing. Twitter, well, they, Twitter, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's my next question. Uh, were it not for threads and blue sky yeah. to some degree? Do we think yes. that Pebble might have been actually had a chance to succeed? But when Threads jumped into the game, it was like a game changer, and Blue Sky's doing all right too. Yeah, it, basically, Threads was the the folks at Meta, Facebook, uh, said, "Hey, we're going to roll out our own social media company." They went to like a million people within a few seconds. Um, Threads recently in a call uh, to. Uh, that he, that they had with their investors, um, Zuckerberg announced that Threads has just under a hundred hundred million monthly active users. Wow! Which means that the stories of people who are abandoning Threads just aren't true. People really are going back to Threads. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's there. It's getting better every day. It's taking its time. It's getting a little you know a little powerful and. It's not the news replacement site that a lot of people have, but but it's getting there. Pe- but it's getting there. A lot of people who were on law Twitter, you know, all the lawyers who are following around, um, they've gone over to Blue Sky, um, and we're seeing a lot of sports media that's still over on Twitter. But we're starting to see more and more journalists who have said, "You know what? I think it's time for us to get out of Dodge and." We're starting to see Twitter go down the drain, and yeah. it's a shame. So, my obviously sure speculation, but my best guesstimate would be that by this time next year, we won't be talking about Twitter or X. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mandated as of tonight, and I did it for the first time. I'm so tired of whenever you say X, you have to say formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> we know that. So Twitter. tonight. I just said X, and I figured you all know what I'm talking about yeah. when I say that. Yeah, I, We still don't know what to say when you, you put something on X, because when you were on Twitter, you would tweet, but we're like... Well, I th- Patrick, did, didn't you have it right? Didn't you say it was excrement? Excrement. It's a, that is exactly what it is. You, oh. you excrete. <laughs> I see. I like that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Patrick, can we spend a few minutes and talk about uh, something that you shared with us a couple of weeks ago, and that was um, the... Uh, one password p- 
program that you can use to get all your passwords in one place and, and it's safe yeah. and all that good stuff. But and, and this was the one that you went to after uh, LastPass was hacked. After LastPass. LastPass had yes. some, have yes. some problems, but now OnePass is also having some problems? Or had. Not exactly. And here's the thing. It turns out that there is a company out there which you've never heard of called Okta, O-K-T-A. And they're cloud-based software. And if you're a company, a big company, and your employees need to log into lots and lots of different systems, you would go and talk to Okta and say, hey, can you come up with this unified password system for all of our services? So say, for example, that you work for Zoom, the, the company. And at Zoom, you need to log in not only to your Zoom account, but you probably want to use Google Workspace and ServiceNow, which is their trouble ticketing system, and VMware, which is their virtual machines, and Workday, which is their financials and payroll system. And so Okta would then set up a way for you to say, okay, here are all these different corporate accounts. We're going to put it all together under one umbrella, under this one sort of shared account. And so it's a third-party service provider. What ended up happening is there are some hackers out there who have been targeting Okta, contacting their help desk, and saying, hey, um, I work for Caesars Entertainment. I'm this particular person. I, you know, Here's my information, which they got off of LinkedIn. And can you – I need to get back into the system. I can't get in somehow or another. And for some reason, another Octa's help desk let them in. So Caesars got hacked, MGM got hacked. There are about three other companies that were in manufacturing, retail, and technology space who were hacked by this group called Octo Tempest. And they they basically social engineered their way into the network. What ended up happening was one password was targeted, and hackers had started surveilling the network. So they kind of went through Okta and said, hey, I work for one password. Can you give me access to the system? Somehow or other, Okta did. And, but none of your passwords were impacted. None of the data was impacted. Basically, the folks at one password caught it really, really quickly. On September 29th, they said, yeah, something's this is really kind of weird. I'm, I'm, there's some suspicious activity going on, and they. This was on the employee-facing side of One Password, and the security people at One Password said, "Yeah, we're we're stopping this. Nope, um, we're stopping it now. Pull the plug." And so the hackers never actually got into the system to get any data. They kind of got to the front door and they were jiggling handles. But nothing was targeted, unlike LastPass. LastPass actually was targeted, and they had two known security breaches, first in August and then in November. So in August, the hackers got into the system, said, okay, let's see what's available, used that information to get back in November, and they ended up in the second breach basically downloading customer encryption keys for their password vaults. What that means is they had an encrypted copy of 
everybody's passwords that were saved to LastPass. And it looks like they might have hacked some of those. Uh, Some of those accounts were hacked. There are some clues that are kind of pointing that a lot of crypto fraud that we've seen recently, about 150 victims of crypto theft, can be tied to LastPass and to the hack. Again, one password has not been hacked. It's safe. But we still recommend you use a password service. What happened, I think, with the the LastPass system is a lot of people use the same username and password over and over again. So once you get one username and password, you can then use that to log into a whole bunch of different systems, which is one of the reasons why when you do get a password manager, you set it up, and then eventually over the next couple months, you go through and you change your passwords on every single site that you have preferably to be one that the computer generates for you so that you don't know it. So you're not using the same username and password on Mm -hmm. every different website or some simple version of it. For example, you might have your password as PA dollar sign dollar sign W zero RD, which is so easy to guess. And then you might go to Yahoo and it's Yahoo PA dollar sign dollar sign. And everybody does this. But if your password is generated by a password manager and it's something that's completely random, just something you would never know, it's a much more secure system. So to double back to the question, one password was targeted. Hackers started surveillance. One password caught it. One password still safe. How how does Okta survive something like the, the, the things that they appear to be the 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 the, the problem the breaking point the the uh, the open door i saw that octa might not survive this thing they they have shed i think it was 5 billion dollars in market valuation Ooh. It, a lot of people are saying uh yeah this this is inexcusable so yes. This we talked about in the past on third-party security risk management for a company. This is a good example of you need to be in charge of your third parties, especially if you're dealing with Okta. Uh, right now, we are uh, talking about uh, computers and the Internet, and we do this twice a month with Dr. Patrick Crispin, Director of Educational Technology, Keck School of Medicine of USC. He's been with us for decades now, and uh, listeners know that, so they send me questions throughout the week and say, can you find out from Dr. Patrick about this or that? And Patrick, one of the things, and I have to agree with the listener that said, can you talk about what's going on? On Facebook, with this business of you, something comes up on your Facebook feed, you want to read the story, and you can't read it unless you give them your email address. And Patrick, am am I wrong, or is this not a Facebook problem, but when you want to read the story, it's then directing you to... Uh, Charlie's newspaper uh, stand, <laughs> and Charlie's newspaper stand wants you to give them I don't think your so. email I want you to sign up. So it, it could be a couple things. Um, it, it, first of all, there are web, there are websites or or 
Facebook pages out there that if you try to click on it and you're not logged into Facebook, for some reason or other, they've decided that they just don't want their pages to be viewable by anybody who doesn't have an account. Um, so some businesses have settings that don't allow non-users to view the page and that requires you to log in. There are also some people who post things to Facebook and you click on it and it opens up an external link that requires you to go to a web page that requires you to either log in or to purchase uh, some sort of, you know, like Wall Street Journal subscription to be able to read the article. Um, I have not heard of individual posts or something where they're saying you can't view this without entering the email password. Well, I don't know Um, what's wrong with me because it happened to me count them five times today stories on my feed came up and they do not take you behind a firewall it does not have anything to do with any outside uh service or website it's that particular story says if you want to read the rest of the story you have to give us your email address and so i just back away i'm like no i'm not going to do it and you're sure it's not a link to for example chicago tribune or sometimes or something no i would know maybe this may be a way that Facebook has added something, a new feature that said, hey, we're going to try to help you farm email addresses. I'm not sure why they would do that. but Now, now I have noticed that uh, sometimes on Facebook there will be something that will pop up that will say, okay, you're going to leave Facebook and go to blah, blah, blah. Nope. Do you want to do that? Right. Nope. Nope, that's not it at all. And it's really infuriating because they'll give you like two paragraphs of a story and just suck you in. And it's not taking you (laughs) to a service that has a firewall where they want you to buy a subscription or Mm. something. It's just you want the rest of the story, you give us your email address. I think it's just your phone. No, because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm imparting this information because there are listeners who've said, what's going on? They've said the same thing. And this is a good reason for you to go to Gmail and set up a spam account. Yes. You can have multiple Gmail accounts. And That's true. That's so a great I have, idea. I have my regular email address. I have a second Gmail address. And I actually created a spam account, which is spam4pc at gmail.com. For PC for Patrick Crispin, so mm-hmm. spam for PC at gmail.com is my spam account. It's a real email address. I very rarely check it, but if I go to a website and it says, no, no, you have to have a password, it's like, okay, here you go. I like that. I'm yeah. going to do that for sure because yeah. I, a hundred years ago, I set up one that I would use whenever I was applying for credit. Say you're in a, a retail store, right. and they, right. and so they would say, "Well, what's your email address?" And so I would give them my famous email address that was just for credit card companies. <laughs> but I, I honestly had not thought about doing that specifically to have a place to send spam to, and then I can get the rest of the story on these crazy sites where they won't give me the information I want. All right. Can I stick with Facebook for just a little bit, Patrick? Because I sent you a a screenshot of a friend's page. A friend on Facebook said, it appears I am told that my account has been hacked. Then I looked at the comments, and there must have been a dozen comments from people saying, you need to call Joe. You need to contact Mike. You need to get Bob. Ira knows how to answer this question. He'll take care of you. I wouldn't let anybody else touch my account 
are these people for real? Are there people out there that this is what they're doing out of the goodness of their heart? Or are there bots saying, okay, we, we give us. these names, and when they contact us, we got them? There are absolutely bots out there trying to catch you, and when you it, – it is – it is nothing but a scam. There are there are different bots out there who will just prey on you. For example, if you are on Twitter or on Reddit and you see a picture that you like and it says, I would really like this on a T-shirt, within a few seconds, there will be a bot that will reply <laughs> saying, do you know that you could buy this on a T-shirt at this <laughs> webpage that we just yes. set up for you? Um, so... The thing is, these are very guaranteed to be scams. There's no special person you can talk to that can help you if your account has been hacked. And the fact is, we don't know if your account has been hacked or not. Right. It could right. be one of those fake messages saying, hey, your account has been hacked. Call this special number in India and give me your credit card information and we'll help you. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with your account. The best what? way to protect yourself is to make sure that you just don't get get taken over in the first place. And I strongly recommend for Facebook or any place else, turn on two-factor authentication. Yep. It's just an extra level of prote- protection. In Facebook, it's go to accountscenter.facebook.com, password and security, and just turn on two-factor authentication. So even if somebody has your username and password, they're not going to be able to get into your account without that one extra level of authentication. I use Google Authenticator. You can use whatever authentication tool you want. But it's that one extra level. So you could ignore these messages saying, hey, your account has been hacked, contact this number, you can ignore it and say, uh-huh, yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I'm safe. <laughs> well, yeah. st- sticking with Facebook for a second, there's also an increase of the messages that look so much like Facebook sent this to you saying, you, you yeah. I forget how it's phrased, but basically, oh, you're in violation of our blah, 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 so you need to click this and blah, blah. I will never, 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 ever click those things. Yeah. I think we were getting a couple of them. Uh, Just quickly, it comes back to me because I was terrified when I saw the first one that says, mm -hmm. your content has been deemed offensive. And I went, what? Yep. And, of course, I didn't click on it. I backed away. And I actually Googled that very sentence and was told, uh-uh, don't ever click yep. on that because that's somebody trying to suck but, you in. But then there, there is one other thing, and, and I want to stay with, with Johnny on this for a second. And, Patrick, maybe you can elaborate. There is a way, and for some reason it seems easier on the phone. When you've had those kind of messages, you can kind of just hold your finger over it and delete those messages. It's easier to do than it is on a desktop or a laptop. At least that was what we found out. Because I I would say to Steve when he was sitting at the desktop, well, just just delete it. And he goes, but I'm afraid I'm going to open up the link. Because on the phone, it's just one one touch, and boom, you've put it in the trash. And and we can talk more about this, but it, it, it's the algorithm has hooked you in, and it's made you a victim to scammers and to Facebook itself. And I think there are a lot of people who are kind of like 
cutting back on Facebook and cutting back on social media because it's just the the whole attention economy that that has sprung up over the last twenty years is just nefarious. It's it's designed to get you angry. It's designed to to hook you in. Because when we started Facebook, it, it was a way for you to see the pictures from mm-hmm. your friends and family. Yep. And then what Facebook realized, and I don't blame them for this, and all social media sites do this, is they realize I need to get people to stay on Facebook longer and longer and longer. How do I do that? How do I get them to stay here more and engage more? Because if I can do that, I can sell them more ads. So what they started to realize was, you know, the things that actually get you angry, the things that kind of piss you off, you engage with those more and you then come back for that. And you get this dopamine hit saying, Oh, I've, I've got to, I've got to see this. I've, I'm missing out on what's going on on Facebook. I got to keep coming back. And you then, instead of getting this sort of natural feed of posts by your friends, it's the algorithm that has been designed to get you to be engaged. Because again, you don't pay for Facebook. And if you don't pay for it, you're not the customer. You're mm-hmm. what's being sold. Yep. Your information, your data is being tracked as you go out there. And Facebook, we know, has sold that to other people. And I think a lot of people are kind of just saying, I don't want to be in this game anymore. Yeah. I don't like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> All right. Wow. We have to pause in our wild ride. No. What a depressing note to pause on, though, because I love my Facebook. A few more minutes. Uh, we're talking with uh, Patrick Crispin about uh, computer stuff, computer problems. Uh, Patrick, uh, what's on your radar? <laughs> I'm actually, we, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recover from a trip today to take my son down to the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. If you haven't been... Um, it's two and three-quarter square mile park in uh, the San Pasquale Valley of San Diego near Escondido. And it has hills. And when I say hills, the entire two and three-quarter square mile park is all uphill. <laughs> Both directions, right? When you're leaving, Every it's also direction, up- <laughs> it's uphill. Oh, and um, we took Joseph there today and... Um, one thing is that Joseph, he doesn't like bees. And when I say he doesn't like bees, mm-hmm. he has a deathly fear of bees. And the number one animal in the San Diego Zoo Safari Park are oh. bees. There's nothing but... <laughs> no, that's not true. There's, there's lots of great animals there, but... Um, this was probably the most traumatic trip that Joseph has oh. ever taken. Well, I remember and, when uh, when you guys were, were visiting us last time and how we had to gently tell them about the, the bees in our yard, that they're good things and they're pollinating. And, yeah. you know, and I, I told them sweat bees. You want to run from sweat bees. And we never got close enough to s- decide if the bees were sweating or not. Because he asked me, what? he says, do they sweat? <laughs> 
No. Well, and we're going, and sadly is, we're going next week to the San Diego Zoo, oh. and we decided that we're going to give Joseph a placebo bottle of bee repellent, which is going to be a squirt bottle. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you wonder how so that happens. He has some authority, but it's like, oh, that poor kid. I felt so sorry for him. All right. Today. In seven years, what did you do to him to make him have this this fear, this real phobia? He's always hated. He's always hated bugs, but he hates bees. And then, of course, what gets really weird is we get this call from school the other day, and it was like, yeah. Um, Joseph got stung by a bee at school today. It's like, oh, oh no! <laughs> All well, the things. So he's afraid of bees, and then of course he gets stung at school. It's like, really. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you you said that he hates all uh, insects, but he loved Frank the spider that lived in our basement. He did because yeah. we would he go. Didn't wa- he didn't want to hurt Frank. <laughs> no, we would go visit Frank in the basement. He would be sitting on the refrigerator. Yep, he's still there after all that Did any time. Of the listeners know know a way to get a seven year old to not be afraid of bees, and I mean like screaming, afraid, shaking Ooh. a dance. Uh, please, please help. Please, please help. Wow. So so if you want to text us with suggestions at 312-981-7200 with with B suggestions. We'll pass them on for our boy. Well, I hate to hear that, but your heart was in the right place. You tried to take him on a cool outing today. Yes. Well, thank you for your help. As always, it's a pleasure talking with you and getting caught up in the crazy stuff going on, the scary stuff going on. And, you know, now that we're done, I want to get off Facebook and I just want to go back to writing letters the old-fashioned way. (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. We're going to Pebble. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. Yeah. (laughs) You sound like Steve. (laughs) Have a great week, Patrick. Thank you. Thanks. We got a lot more coming up. Uh, Yeah, we're going to be playing some more Halloween songs, but the group that is nice enough to stay up late and hang out with us, Jack and Jen are in the studio with us. We met uh, them uh, back in May when we were here the last time. And, uh, yeah, we, we... we're just thrilled to have you guys back in studio with us, Jack and Jen. And, and we should explain, Jack and Jen is not really Jack and Jen, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get into all that. Yes. Uh, but uh, And tonight it is an official album release party for your new album, which is called... The Salty South. Salty South. That's where we are in the Salty South. <laughs> and I was trying to make it a sweet evening Mm-hmm. And you can see those two accidents at the end of the counter there. So I have this fancy schmancy cake carrier. It's two levels. All afternoon for several hours, our kitchen smelled wonderful because Johnny was making really good stuff for you guys for tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, my those banana maple walnut cupcakes. And we get out of the car. We're walking into the station. And they and flipped. And ended up in the parking lot. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. But I was able to salvage. The brownies were at least were. Here's here's where my mind was when I was baking this afternoon. The brownies were wrapped separately so they wouldn't pick up the banana flavor. And thank goodness they were because when they flipped, I was able to salvage them because they were wrapped in saran wrap. But I know that there's a flock of seagulls out there just gorging 
Oh, these yeah. frosted oh, yeah. muffins. Absolutely. And they'll be in that parking lot for days. So <laughs> my, my heart was in the right place. Well, thank you so much for, for making yeah, that for that's us. So that's very nice. They look amazing. I'm so sorry. I'm a cook, too, so like, yeah. that hurts my So heart. don't ever buy one of those stupid cake carriers. <laughs> all right. This is what you're supposed to take to all of your get-togethers. And, and you can Awful see list. a picture of that stupid cake carrier on our Facebook page. But also, even more importantly, right now, if you go to our Facebook page, and the address, cleverly enough, is facebook.com slash Show. <laughs> if you go there right now, point your browser in that direction, and you will see a live feed of Jack and Jen. Hey, everybody. Now, actually, what I'm seeing, tell me what I'm seeing, that's, uh, I'm seeing you guys perform, but it's not you sitting there in studio right now. Okay, so what so, do we need to do here? Yeah. Whoops, let me... What do we that. need to do? <laughs> lagging. Might be lagging a little bit. Okay. That's what we're saying. You guys are singing uh, the Jelly Roll tune. Oh. This was kind of and as you guys were getting set up. <laughs> How funny. I don't so know. So do, do I need to go back and uh, yeah, stream another, something else? another post. That's another post? Yeah, I've got them pulled up live do you? right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me see if I can. We'll correct this. I mean, this is live radio, okay. you know. Okay. You fly by you the know. seat of your pants. Right? <laughs> As you know, during the a, a short break, uh, Caleb, who's engineering on this end, says, we'll do a sound check. You've got 60 seconds. Let's do this. Oh. <laughs> yes. It's so great that they're so well-practiced. <laughs> That's well, right. Yeah, we try. <laughs> so you guys didn't have a gig tonight, did you? We did not. We were actually yeah. playing pinball. They had yeah. fixed the Simpsons pinball, and I just I told everybody, we went with some friends, and I was like, guys, sorry, they fixed Simpsons. I'm going to be in mode for the next two hours. Really? <laughs> we kept our night free for you guys. Oh, well, thank you. Because I think when we first met you, you had come from a gig that night. You guys we have did. been You've been very busy. Yes. Um, as as a duo, and as we were talking with uh, Eli as a, as a solo act, but you are so active on Facebook. People can follow you whenever you end up on a Saturday afternoon playing a fair mm-hmm. or a, <laughs> a, a Saturday night when you're at a club. Yes. So you would recommend people follow you at your Facebook page? Is that the best? Facebook page is awesome. Um, we do have an Instagram, and we have a YouTube page where we've uh, just started – our music video series Whoa. so that is a great place to follow us yes well. yes and of course our website we've got to talk a little bit later about your music video series and your animated yes. series i love the animated stuff that what? is so I'm cool so excited it's about like that. You, you guys have 15 minutes free in the day i mean uh, <laughs> i'm like really how do you have time to do all this <laughs> So when we, you're That's we're the in. One. We're, we're in. good. That's okay. The one. <laughs> so now you can see Jack and Jen in studio with us tonight. The the only thing that you will see is they're backwards. <laughs> we, oh my gosh! Mirror image. Steve is very funny about that. He's always flipping my pictures. I'm going flip this. Flip <laughs> my picture. No, it makes me crazy. Err. <laughs> I had to beat him to it because he always says crazy err. Um, I, I have an idea. What? Why don't we stop talking, and would you guys like to do something? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. awesome. Okay. We'd what love you to. do? Well, let's start off with Southern Lights, since tonight is the night of the Salty South. It is. Um, the Southern Lights is a song. We wrote it as we were kind of gigging and touring around the forgotten coast of Florida. Yes. So this is our version of the way we see the Southern Lights. Thank you. 
October, St. Joseph's Bay, off of Highway 98. Hey! the night's Oyster City by the pine. I ain't worried about the time, yeah. That's my kind of life. It feels like summer when I see you. I'll color your dreams. Emerald blue. Every wave is a song. And the go for Mexico. Never forgetting the forgotten coast. Floating in the water like life is alright. I see the sea shine. That's southern life. Shine that southern night. That southern light. Shine that southern light. Shine that southern light. Southern light. Orange, pink, and purple skies over St. Andrews Bay off of Highway 98. Hey! So southern night. So it's the city by the pine. I ain't worried about the time. Yeah, that's my kind of Way of life, recognize peace of mind, living like I ain't done yet. We'll let the southern light guide us somewhere over the sun. Hey. Tell you something, your soul knows our sunset show more colors than a rainbow. Shine that southern light. Southern light. Shine that southern light. Off of Highway 98 Hey! nice So it's the city by the pine I ain't worried about the time That's my kind of life And Jen, thank you. Love it, love it. Well, I'll get your heart started. (laughs) Before we take a break, if people want to get the album, they do it how? Go to jackandjenmusic.com. And that's J A C K A N D G I N, like your gin and tonic, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) com. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Jack and Jen in the studio with us, the uh, album release party for their new album, Salty South, and that was Beck Avenue. And I love the video. People need to go to your website and watch that video. It is yeah. so. You want to explain a little it's bit on about Beck the Avenue. song in the, in the video? Avenue. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'll start off. We we actually had a release party for it a while back, and our good friend Caleb right over here was he was he attended. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the invitation. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for coming. So you're on Beck Avenue, and what did you do? Because you have this big build-up where you are inviting people to come out to Beck Avenue. Yes. So 
this song, Beck Avenue, is about five minutes long, and it took over a year to write, actually. It has several different moving parts and pieces to it, and I remember it was one of the four songs we, well, we got kicked out of a bar uh, oh. the night before, and the dude owned four venues, and it was really my fault that we got kicked out. So I thought, I'm going to write four hit songs they're going to make us famous, and it'll be the, you know, <laughs> redeeming <laughs> moment. And um, I, re- I started writing Love and Other Drugs, You Know My Name. Um, I can't remember the other one. but and then Beck Avenue. Then Beck Avenue. And it was a sweet little love song in the beginning, you know. And life I, gets better. I wanted this, like, life gets better. And I wanted this, like, 1930s, 40s, like, someone. But that was all in my head, you know, and there's like Mm -hmm. 19 voices that go into that. And then I had this sweet love song come after it. And I thought, it's sweet and it's really cute and it'll be a little duet, kind of like a Grease Lightning kind of thing. But it doesn't really tell the whole story of my experiences on Beck Avenue. And I just kind of sat with that for a while. And I thought, how, how could I tell this story in an honest way and show the light and the dark aspects of this place that I love so much. And then it just became this surf rock anthem somewhere (laughs) in it. And it became like just this wild and out sort of orchestral moment, except all I had was the voices and Mm -hmm. the piano and the guitar and drummer uh, to work with. And it was just a really cool experience because I felt that you know some some ideas are just so complex you mm-hmm. can't fit them in one genre and i really enjoyed writing this piece just because it was it it, it was needed big. to go that direction well, and when we started it was a lot longer than five minutes oh, okay. it was like seven and a half so minutes, we yeah. recorded it was like a rock opera yeah <laughs> we recorded it in Very beck clean. avenue at uh-huh. this brand new recording studio called sound collective okay and uh, phil mercer runs sound collective um, and so we were actually, I, I'd made a demo myself, and I, it was a little over seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And Phil was like, Jack and Jen, I want to record a song with you guys so bad. And I was like, okay, well, I have, I have one in mind that I would love. You know, we could put some drums down on it. It has ten time changes, three key changes. You know, it's a little bit of a beast. And he's like, I'll give you one song. Come on. Oh. And so we sat down with him, and he was like, <laughs> one song. This is the one you bring. Yeah. But he pulled it we off. We gave man. him other he, options. Yeah, but we he did. Just liked that he, one the most. We had, all agreed that was the song. I have to know. Did you feel some some purging, some vindication? Did it feel good when it was all done? Because you got all that stuff out of you. Absolutely magical. If you ask me. It was. It was definitely like a healing moment. I yeah. think. I. I. You know. Seasons of life happen and. You know, spring isn't yelling and screaming in pain because summer comes along, you know, Mm -hmm. and fall isn't yelling in anger, you know, when it's time is over and it's time for winter. These things just kind of smoothly circulate. Yes. And like, I'm trying imperfectly (laughs) to approach my life with the same loose grip, you know, as some things start falling away and new things coming in. Instead of being angry that they're over, I'm trying to be happy that they happened. And so actually with my book, Fire Flurries, and the song Beck Avenue, I felt like it was a wonderful tribute to that 
time in my life post-hurricane where I got into music again and mm-hmm. I went out and started making friends and I'm post-divorce but I'm figuring it out I'm going out and having this life happen in front of me and I'm celebrating that mm-hmm. for its beauty and its darkness and all its glory because that's mm-hmm. what life is like and so yeah. that's how that song rep- that's what that song represents to me is just being okay with it all it, all of it exists at the same time yeah. yeah. and isn't that one of the cool things about the state of the recording industry today, and by that I mean the major companies don't have as much control as they used to. Mm-hmm. The artists are gaining more and more control, and you're able to say, I've got this complex thing. I don't care if Columbia or RCA or whoever doesn't want me to do it. I'm going to do this. I'm controlling this. Here's my vision, yeah. and I'm putting it out to the people who are going to listen to it. Absolutely. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of you know leaders maybe in the industry want artists to stick in one genre. Mm-hmm. And to me, I would be so incredibly sad if I wasn't able to play and Sing it. do what I want mm-hmm. to do. And not every song is going to be Beck Avenue. That mm-hmm. would be dishonest. But some songs are, and that cer- certainly was, but some songs are Death Roll. And mm-hmm. some songs are Southern Lights. These are all mm-hmm. songs on our album. And some songs are summertime again, or maybe you're angry and it's big Panama City, or you know, there's a there's a moment for each of these songs, and I, I believe that the Salty South, specifically our album, is such a beautiful tribute to a very diverse and complex place that doesn't fit in one genre. Mm-hmm. Right. I grew up here when it was spring break capital of the world. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of hip hop in this album because it would be dishonest for me not to put that in there. Mm-hmm. There's soul and gospel in this album because it would be dishonest not to have that aspect in there as well. I love that because some of my least favorite albums are the albums that I purchased because Joe Blow had a hit record. Okay, so I buy the album and <laughs> everything on that album sounds just like the hit record. Exactly. I want peaks, I want valleys, I want uh, mm-hmm. detours down the alleys. Mm-hmm. I want all I want the kind of stuff and I don't I'm not just patronizing you. I want the kind of stuff that Salty South delivers. Oh, it's peaks you. and valleys and it's all over the place and Well, I have a CD for you on that comment. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> she it worked. I know. There are actually manifestations. Manifestation. <laughs> he put it out in the universe and looked just like that. It happened. <laughs> Thank you so much. You, Caleb says, wow, I didn't know it worked like that. <laughs> um, Jack and Jen with us in the studio. We should say before we take a break for the news that Jack is Eli Ingram. And Jin is Sandy Marlisa. And you mentioned a book. And your book is actually available, too, right? That is on Amazon. On Amazon. Fire Flurries, two words, Confessions of a Small Town Rock Star. (laughs) I I love that title, too. (laughs) And and you grew up here when everything shut down after Labor Day. And what a strange world we live in now where we have a traffic jam in the middle of November. It's becoming an all-year destination. (laughs) Say that with a smile, girl. I am. I'm excited. We're going to cut to the chase and uh, ask them to perform in a couple seconds. But Jack and Jen, whose real names are Sandy Marlisa and Eli Ingram, and you've got a great story. So let's go back to when you became Jack and Jen and how that happened. Who's going to take that one? Well, okay. Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, we had both gotten divorced, and we mm-hmm. had uh, started hanging out, playing music, and met each other, 
And our friends kind of came up with the name, honestly. They'd be like, oh, Sandy's drinking gin again. Looks like it's gin Sandy in the house tonight. And, and you were drinking Jack and Daniels. And I'm drinking Jack mm-hmm. Daniels. And it just, every night, you know, it just became this thing. And so um, they'd be like, do we have Eli tonight? Do we have Jack? Do we have Jen or do we have Sandy? Uh-huh. And so we were forming our band name. And w- we talked last time. We almost called yeah. it Lavender Soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we found ourselves recording our first album in North Carolina at a place called Jack of the Wood is where we had dinner that night. And there was this stage, and I really wanted to play there. And so I do what I always do, and I just start talking to everybody. And I'm like, hey, you know, who do I talk to to get a gig here? You know, just start working that kind of magic. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, so the manager came up and said, well, what's your name? And the place was called Jack the Wood. So I was like, we're Jack and Jen. And at that moment, we just stuck with Jack and Jen, and we we it actually felt right. yeah we recorded the record and called it Jack and Jen, self titled, just the Jack and Jen oh, record, the first one. It was all acoustic. It was one of the first songs we wrote too on the first album called Jack and Jen. Mm-hmm. Before it was a band name, I think. So now Salty South is your second album yes. as Jack and Jen. Yes, right? and this is way more of a studio uh, album. I've done a lot of studio work myself. The song we just heard, Crazy, was recorded mm-hmm. with a friend Logan, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that, that was a lot more than an acoustic guitar. Yes. Yes, that one. yes. <laughs> and um, and then with Beck Avenue, we did with Phil Mercer at Sound Collective. And uh-huh. then so the other 14 songs I did myself, um, you know, adding in the bass and mm-hmm. the guitar solos and the layers of Sandy's harmonies, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, that crashed my computer. We had 17 harmonies on one of Sandy Marlisa's songs called Curse Breaker. And I was just adding so many harmonies and my computer completely cut wow. out. So new studio. And with the new studio came the first song, which we called Close on Sundays on the new album. And that was my test, where I was like, how many layers can I mm-hmm. do with a new studio? <laughs> and I maxed it out on that song. So, Close on Sunday. You and Les Paul would have gotten along really, <laughs> yeah. really well. Absolutely. <laughs> I have a couple with Les Paul that I play yeah. every night. <laughs> I, I'm going to suggest we shut up, and what would you guys like to do? Okay, which one did you want to do? Do you want to do Salty South? I'm down to do Salty South. All right, this will be the first time we've ever done this one. Uh-oh. Live. I'm going to put in a request for Lavender, too. Cause oh, you do yes. want Lavender? Yes, we can do that one. I, I love that one. But remember what I said last time. If, you go with that as, if you'd gone with that as your name, everybody thought you were a hippie group. <laughs> You know, they're like, right, oh, right. They're, they're stoners from the 60s. Let's do you want to start one. with that? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do this do one just one. for you. Cool, thank we'll you. Start lavender Soul.
you captured my heart and made it sing a song where I believe in romance, romance, sweet romance. When did I stop writing about something Oh, I love that. I I have to ask you, Sandy, where did you learn to sing? And the reason I'm asking, so many people that uh, we've had in studio that work close to a mic, you're able to kind of lean back. And she has to. And yet we don't lose anything. You have the highs, you have the lows, you have the intimacy, but you don't have to be on top of the mic. Where did you learn how to sing? Um... I back away from the mic by necessity, as because <laughs> you'll melt it, right? <laughs> I will absolutely pierce through the mic, and it'll not make good sounds. But um, I learned to sing when I was four, and I would sing in church with my family. And I learned harmony standing next to my mother in the Southern Baptist Church and singing harmony with her. And the only training that I was able to really get was in public school um, by a woman named Miss McGowan who is the single most the biggest inspiration of my life Um, she is I believe she's still alive uh, is a black woman and she taught me classical music and she had us sing spiritual she had us sing German pieces she had us sing in French and Spanish she nailed diction into us um i was in a punk band and she heard me screaming uh a song (laughs) with some of my bandmates because i like to eat lunch in the choir room and she came out of her office and she say sandy i never want to hear you say that again do that again you will not ruin that beautiful voice and i say well this is just the you know the the way that they they sing this is how the modern people sing miss mcgowan and um she'd say yes but they know that there's a way to do it that doesn't hurt the voice and she said if there is ever a moment where you sing and you are straining and you're hurting your voice that means you should stop immediately because it's like straining a muscle and if you continue to strain that muscle in an incorrect way then you will grow nodules on your voice yeah. and you won't be able to sing anymore. Um, my dad is a speech pathologist, so he also um, put that into my brain as well. So I'd say it was her. <laughs> God bless her. Yes. Yeah, and that was public school too. Let's say that again. Public school. Yeah, and sadly, you don't, well, I hate to go sad again, but you don't get a lot of music in school yeah. today. One of those things oh, that. And, and she fought for it. Yeah. Um, they tried to cut our funding all the time. Mm-hmm. And so she actually made the 
she's made a deal with the school that if she could get us dual enrolled as a choir, if that ah. would supplement some of the funding and we were dual enrolled right here with gulf coast uh, community college at the time Mm -hmm. and um so when i came to gulf coast state college later uh i already had like four choir credits (laughs) (laughs) that's very cool yeah Yeah. she was amazing you know we should tell people too that we are broadcasting from panama city florida we are in the studios of wkgc at gulf coast state college Go to our Facebook page, and you can watch Jack and Jen, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. And the new album is called Salty South. It is out now. It belongs in your collection. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to ask you, because the listener says, why is it called Salty South? Because this Ooh. is the salty salt. It is salty here. <laughs> salty yes. I've always loved that saying, um, keep fill in the blanks salty. Oh, yeah. Keep you know, instead Andrews. of, yeah, Andrews, instead yes. of sterilizing yes. it, yep. it applies to a number of areas. You know, you don't want it too sterilized. We need to keep it gritty and a little mm-hmm. salty. Absolutely. And, um, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's a different world. You use the phrase in one of your songs, Forgotten Coast. You hear that on weather forecasts. Yeah. People who are passing through here don't understand that this area is often called the mm-hmm. Forgotten Coast. Mm-hmm. We ain't Miami. <laughs> We're not <laughs> no. Orlando. You know, nope. people say, "Do you go to Disney World all the time?" I go, "Yeah, that's like a day away." Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. that's a whole trip. That's yeah, a, trip. It's a big, boring trip, <laughs> right? <laughs> With <laughs> a lot of tolls. <laughs> yes, expensive trip too. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because you realize how we lack in our geography when people say, "Oh, you're closer to." Alabama, then you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the Salty South for you. And that is uh, the new album, Salty South. T- tell us a little bit about. I love what you're doing over the next couple weeks. You've got new animated videos. The, yes. the Adventures of Jack and Jen as cartoon. Who came up with the concept of this? I love it. Well, to be honest, we've been talking about it for a long time. I don't really know. Um, I really wanted to bring the murals to life in Beck Avenue. I remember that was like kind of the the starting point of that idea. I was just like, because there was amazing murals in yes. downtown, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, I was just looking at this mural that was recently done around the Century Tree, and I thought it'd be really cool if there were just stick figures running around in there, <laughs> and that just like kept going into another complete space, as my mind usually does. It starts mm-hmm. with an idea, and then it's just. By the way, I hired an animator. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think I figured it out. I think ahead. I figured it out. Okay, so I blamed the library. We okay. got a library card. And we walked in there, and they had a bunch of DVDs. And I discovered the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Right. Uh, so I watched that. Yellow Submarine, that was Yellow really Submarine. Good. So that's one. And then two, I got really into silent films. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, like, 1920s, black and white, you know, mm-hmm. like, when before, oh. you know, people could do the talkies, you know? Yeah. And I obsessed over that because a music video is a silent film. You know, mm-hmm. like, the music speaks and everything. The actors, mm-hmm. the you know, they don't get to talk. So I really obsessed over that for a while. And um, the song we just heard, Let Your Music Sing, I made, like, a silent film music mm-hmm. video for that. And then we'd started, we've been wanting to animate Jack and Jen into some, like, literally the murals on the walls here. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking with my little niece last summer, uh, Susan Ingram, and she had this hilarious idea to do an animated starfish. And every time he strums, he loses his arm. Don't give it away. <laughs> That's not 
next week's winning. That's next week. Okay, hang on. I went, what? I haven't seen this starfish yet. So the starfish, he'll lose his arm every strum, but it grows back. Oh. So it's okay. And it just okay. grows back and he keeps Good. strumming. And it's I thought that was great. So that's And how old is she? Uh she is uh oh. Um She's a little person. She's ten. She's ten. Yeah. 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 I feel well, confident that she's ten. Speaking of kids, I have to ask you, because Sandy, you have two cool kids. Thank you. What do they think of you guys what you do for a living in the day? I mean, do, do they ever go, Oh mom, you're weird? Um <laughs> never they were bred in the weird, so they're little artists too. Um, they're just by, by the way, there's a, there's a song titled "Bread in the Weird." That's the, t- that's the t-shirt too, Sandy. There it is. A whole t- like a, we can make yeah. a whole thing off that. Yes. Um, no, they're really cool about it, actually. Because um, they're young, they're very young. They are, and I've always been a writer, um, and I was a music minister for a very, very long time, and then I had some difficulties and took a break from music. But they really knew me as a, a writer. And I wrote books, and I worked for clients, and Mommy didn't have a regular job. You right, know? you're not a 9 to five. I'm not, I've never been a 9 to right. fiver, um, ever. And um, so they were pretty cool on the transition over. They, they had a hard time with me being gone nights. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really hard for a little while, but I just tried to do their bedtime story at 4 p.m., <laughs> Um, do the nighttime routine beforehand. <laughs> Tuck them in. Tried to have as much normalcy as possible. Um, but no, they're awesome. My daughter is an artist, 100%, and my son is a comedian. Okay. He actually um, won his talent show and got to perform at a big fine arts and area how old is he? here. He's 11 now. Wow. And he is quite the comedian and very funny. Oh, that's so, so fun. They're, they're wonderful, and they're, they're so into it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Before we run out of time for this segment, uh, another song? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just do Death Roll? I thought we were going to do yeah. the Salty South. I don't know. Just do Death Roll. Death Roll. Death Roll. Okay. I love Death Roll. I love it's Death Roll. It's too spooky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a spooky song. All right. Well, here goes Death Roll. Mama said, don't go to the water at night. There are creatures there that hang out of sight with wide mouths and toothy grins. These dragons know all about sin. They'll take you down in a death row. Take you down in a death row. Take you down in a death Mama said, don't you go near those reeds Yeah, these creatures ain't like you and me They hang in the shadows where you can't see And they'll take you down deep just to say They'll take you down in a death roll Take you down in a death roll Take you down in a death Take you down in a death row. 
That has to be the theme for, for some sort of a, a mini series. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it just. Well, remember True Blood? That would. That, that's perfect. exactly what I was thinking of. The the this, uh, the uh, vampire series and the swamps and yeah. oh my gosh! Because again, the, the dragons that she's singing of are those gators yes. that will take you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, just thinking of them gives me the shivers, but when you sing it, every hair stands up on my arms like, wow. (laughs) Hopefully, uh, as people are watching you on um, our Facebook page, that they will uh, maybe at some point go and seek out your music because your new album is Salty South. Absolutely. And again, if they want to find out more about you, they go where? And if they want to get the album, they do what? We're all over social media, just Jack and Jen music. Uh, for all the handles anywhere on social media. We just try to make it simple. And then jackandjenmusic.com. And um, currently, we are booking a Salty South tour. So if you want to see Jack and Jen, hit us up and let us know. Let us know where you want us to come, and we will come down to your town. Good. And the album is available in what forms? Uh, Obviously, I I have a CD. We have physical CDs. We have streaming. And over the next few weeks, we'll have a cartoon released on every Wednesday Mm -hmm. of... Uh, is it four or six we're doing now? We're hoping for six. We have yeah, four. So for the sure. complete Jack and Jen show, that's what we're calling. The Jack and Jen show will have six kid friendly cartoons for everybody. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. all you're missing is puppets. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't give them ideas. You know, that's a good don't idea. Don't me with a good time. <laughs> He's a puppeteer, so he's trying to vie for a place in the band. Okay. Yeah, and your point is? We can talk. We can talk. Yeah. We want to hear a little more music. What do you guys want to do? I think it's time for the Salty South. <laughs> All right. Leave them wanting more with the Salty South, right? All right. You ready for this? Yep. They say you'll never make it in your hometown. That's just how it goes. They ignore your name and lights. Turn off the radio. The Gulf of Mexico studio recording all my rhymes. The seagulls carry messages. The waves keep the time. Yeah, I've seen the worst, best things Mother Nature can do. She takes care of her own. She does what she has to. I get it. I'm a mother and I take care of business. Nothing stands between a woman who wants to know where her kid is. So I lasso down the heavens with God on that beach. I let him know about my city and asked him for the keys. I made my home in the forgotten the west coast of fl where mountains are dunes we got islands of seashells 
I wonder if I'll live to see the moment when the sand is made of plastic. Turn over the seaweed, release the toxic gases, hear the rolling thunder. Y'all about to see the times of miracles, signs and wonders, and wonders, and wonders, and wonders, and wonders. Drowning doesn't look like drowning, says the teacher, know the signs. They ain't quite what you expect. How I know what to look for, ask the mother. Keep your eyes open and your arms outstretched. Drowning doesn't look like drowning, says the teacher, know the signs. They ain't quite what you expect. How I know what to look for, ask the mother. Keep your eyes open and your arms outstretched. Mama on your baby, but not too tight. Teach your babies how to find the light. Mama on your baby, but not too tight. Teach your babies how to survive. The rain keeps falling like the sun won't shine. But these are the nights through the days of our life. It's getting all to breathe and it's harder to believe that the night is still young. So I walk this empty street on my feet until I see the message underneath. I got a pocket full of shells and some tricks up my sleeve. You better play your cards right before the truth deceives. Take cover and take enough for me. Drowning doesn't look like drowning, says the teacher. Know the signs, they ain't quite what you expect. And love the coast of passion, lead his people and his creatures and his leaders to safety. But y'all out here calling environmentalists crazy? You say I got a boulder on my shoulder named Chip, but if I didn't have an attitude, I'd never make it. You ignoring selfish people love reason, intelligence, put them away high up on a shelf. But when you turn away from the truth, you dishonor thyself. You'll never accept the prophet till you learn to love yourself. So sons and daughters of earth, don't make the father get the belt. Noah's turning in his grave, screaming, save yourselves. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. Whoa. Yes, yes, yes. Jack and Jen. Are the lyrics to that song in the CD? No, but I will post. They are posted on the <laughs> YouTube channel. They are posted oh, on oh, the good, YouTube good. channel. We have that's, typed up all the lyrics and on the YouTube. That's some, Eli did that. Actually. That's some <laughs> powerful stuff in that. Some Thank really you. important messages too. Thank you. I, I'm like I'm, I wanted to stand up and shout yes <laughs> as you were yes. preaching. I'm like yes. Oh wow. That is so good. Thank, Thank you, you so much for doing that, too. And that's the title cut from your album. That's the yes. title cut, and I believe that's the first time we've ever actually played it live. We did a practice really? yesterday, which we posted on Facebook, but this was the first real... Yeah. Well, you done good. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. 
Oh, you can breathe now. That's why we saved it for last. <laughs> it's a wordy. It's a wordy one. <laughs> By the way, Eli, you look like a very young Willie Nelson. A listener says, "Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he, I have not got that one before." He gets Dave. Grohl, My mom partied Connie with Willie Reeves. one time. He's like all the famous dudes. Like he gets all of them. I kind of like young Willie Nelson. I love it's that. Good. I need to braid his hair. But I want to go back to your mother partied with Willie Nelson before. Yeah, yes. she hasn't told me the full story. She always just says I don't remember it. But you well, know. of course. That, well, then she definitely did. She did. That, that's, the and that's the title of a wacky song, right? Absolutely. There. My mom partied with Willie Nelson. <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for coming Absolutely. by tonight. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. We really appreciate it, being it's back. It's always fun to have you guys. Uh, promise us you will come back. Absolutely. It's, and, always. it's a promise. Um, if you'll have us, we'll be here. <laughs> and if, they honestly didn't touch the, the, the parking lot. The brownies are yeah, yours the, for the yeah, taking. Yeah, these, these didn't. <laughs> I want them, so I will take them. Absolutely. They'll be good when you get in the car. With my coffee in the morning, too. Okay. Like, I've got Ooh, plans yes. for these brownies. Well, good. <laughs> Before we let you get out of here, I was thinking one thing is I was watching it and I don't know that we've ever talked about this Sandy have you ever done any acting and I'm asking because anybody who is watching you on Facebook live you're acting as you're performing that's a great question I have done acting but um, it was I in public school they only give you one elective I was in um, so I I did some drama after school and I also got to do it little when I was small with Ron Hallman who is a wonderful member of our community and my kids learn from him Um, but again I have to credit a lot of it to Miss McGowan my choir teacher because she would whenever we were doing our choir solos we were not allowed to move but we could move our head and she said, I want you to make the whole room feel what you're feeling. Huh. And so, of course, my like I chose Black Swan, which is about this woman wanting to die because the man who impregnated her left her. So I got to be like... Just dark and mysterious. What and were you look, eight at that time? Look at everyone, right? It was. I was like fourteen. Okay. And one time I had to perform it for the whole class, and I had an ex-boyfriend in the crowd, so I just stared at him. Oh, well, oh like, that's good. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so a lot of emotive. Oh, that's funny. training. Is it, is it um, a challenge to sing sitting down? Because it looks like you want to just. Oh, I would wow. love to. I love. I love great standing. Question. Yeah, because you never sit down when we play. No, so that's a great you're, question. You're, you're both singing from way down. I was low. trying uh-huh. to be casual. I've actually noticed whenever we sit, it helps create a casual atmosphere whenever we perform. So if it's like a restaurant or something like that. Sitting down makes everyone feel more comfortable. Mm. And our, our usual duo setup, she'll have the keys. So she'll be sitting down yeah. playing the keys, oh, and okay. I'll be standing up with my rock and roll self, you know. Yeah. But um, sitting, I just make sure I'm sitting up straight, yeah. diaphragm mm, yeah. fully accessible. Because <laughs> I've often talked to band members who, when you have them in the studio like this, and they can see each other, and like the drummer's only accustomed to seeing the back ends. Right. You know, yeah. the, oh, the so person that's singing lead, you know, it's yeah. like all of a sudden they see your face, and they're like, whoa, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Such a different experience, every performance. Yes. <laughs> what, what was it, uh, DJ Fontana? I got to tell who, him. Who told us that Elvis led the group with his butt? And I told him he had the best seat in history looking at Elvis's butt for all those years that he was his drummer. Just right there. Uh, right there. That's all you've got to look at. Yes. Okay, uh, before we let you guys get out of here, one final question because we, we've had some, uh, some texts about this. People want to know the name of that gorgeous guitar you've got. 
This is... Let him tell you all about it. I call it my couch <laughs> because I sold my couch for the down payment on this beauty oh. right here. It is a 224 Koa Wood Taylor. Um, I was managing a music shop on the beach. and this Lights music. Lights music, yes yeah. sir. And this was that guitar that just spoke to me. And I grabbed it and I wrote a song called Lawman and the Bounty. It's kind of like this western idea thing mm -hmm. I had. And it, it's just kind of like... It's got a great tone. And just that kind of riff came to me. And I was like, I got to buy this thing. And this, uh -huh. this guy literally comes into the shop and he says... He says, I love that guitar. I think I'm going to buy it today. And I was like, you can't. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I just did. <laughs> and I can do I that because I'm let it the go manager. away. Like, I literally, I sold my couch. Not kidding. What, you awesome. got on the phone then and said, I'm selling my couch? <laughs> no, no. I put it on Facebook Marketplace. And I was wow. like, couch, come get it. I need 200 bucks for the down payment. Oh. 200 bucks, come get the couch. It's gone. <laughs> That's a great story. And then I kept the guitar at the shop until I paid it off, which was a blessing because I just I went in and played every single day. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was just got, to, got well, to know it. You're talking to a woman who drank the Kool-Aid. I truly yeah. believe that guitars speak to you and they all make you play yes. something different. I, yes. Absolutely. I can, they I can, all teach you a different song. All the time. Every yeah. guitar has a different song. Yes. And so yes. this guitar... I laughed for years mm -hmm. and then I heard it happen. I was like, oh... You're mm -hmm. right. You can't do that song on that guitar because mm -hmm. it's meant right. for this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually I bought a new guitar a while back. Well, new to me, it was like fifty bucks. This this guy was like, my girlfriend said it's either the guitar or me, so I gotta you know I gotta sell oh. the guitar. And so I was like, I will gladly be the guy to buy that guitar. And he you know when I went to his house to buy it, he gave it to me, and I was like, so what's the story of this guitar, man? And he said. Let me see it one more time. And his girlfriend is sitting there, arms on the, you know, arms like this, standing on the porch, and he plays the craziest surf rock thing I've ever heard. Oh. And I was like, oh, it's a surf rock guitar. Okay. <laughs> and so just kind of the story of that guitar is the, the surf rock. And we actually have an animated surf rock song that will be oh, coming oh, up. Oh, that's fine. I'm so excited about that. Yes. By the way, we have a, a, a rule in our house. If you're going to buy a guitar on Marketplace or Craigslist, if you go to pick yep. up the guitar and there are any kids in the car, just give them the money. Because if they're selling their guitar to get food for those kids, yeah, right. you don't want that guitar. And, and, and we know. were in Dan's pawn shop uh, down yes. here yes, it, years this. ago, and this guy comes in and he has this yes. great Fender, I think it was a Strat, and he said, can you guys? Can I get it back if I come back within the next few weeks? Because mm. he was trying to get enough money to pay the rent, and it was a gorgeous guitar. And I told Johnny, nope, I, I would never. love that guitar, but I'm not going near it. Yeah, because mm -mm. that's that's a special so, thing. I, I think you know now that that's out there in the universe. Probably guys rent kids and put them in the car when they come to <laughs> us, and then we just give them the money and they you drive gave off. Gave them the idea. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, we can keep the guitar and drop the kids off. You know? <laughs> Two for one special. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on all the good things that are happening for you. And I'm just excited to say that we were there, you know, back in spring when things were really starting to bubble for you. And Thank you. this album was going to happen and now it's it's a done deal and it's fabulous thank, thank you, you. Yes, well, thank, thank you, you for having us much. and right. thank you for okay. the suggestion on the lavender soul song <laughs> the title because we, <laughs> we decided to do it so thank you <laughs> cool <laughs> we'll see you next year when we're back in town unless yes. you find yourself in chicago absolutely okay thank you jack and jen j-a-c-k-a-n-d-g-i-n and you can find them jack and jen music.com and you can find links on our page to them and their music and they're so talented. 
Mm. There is a really interesting, uh, what I call an artist community down here in the Panhandle. And uh, Jack and Jen are just one example of some of the extraordinary talent. Don't you think that after Hurricane Michael, it's like there was a rebirth? of the area. Caleb, you live here. Would you agree that things things changed after Hurricane Michael five years ago? Yeah, it is it is a significant difference and I don't know positive, negative or otherwise, but it's almost like a, a reset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and downtown is a it's kind of a microcosm of those changes. It's like we are not going to crumble down and die. We're going to do what we can and young people have gravitated toward the area and we're going to paint the walls and do these fabulous Mm -hmm. murals and we're going to do these great activities on the weekend so people will come here. Well, really, Hurricane Michael is what led us ultimately to Jack and Jen because I started seeing some of Sandy's posts, some of the things she was writing after Hurricane Michael. And uh, I, I first thought, oh, well, this is a really terrific writer. And then come to find out she's creative in a whole lot of, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, ways in her music. And uh, But she was writing about how basically mo- Mother Nature had tried to just yeah. wipe them off the face of the earth. Because that was a just like something that they'd never experienced. Yeah. And the things that she was writing were so, so strong. And, and um, yeah, like we were saying, it's like a reset. You yeah. know, you... The hurricane wiped it out, and then it comes back. And and seeing the the artist community grow like it is, yeah. Um, you know, as as someone who has grown up in the area and is you know moving into my thirties very shortly, mm-hmm. um, having a, a group like this have such a voice and a connection, like an identity in the area, mm-hmm. um, you know, takes my kind of jaded. Uh, view of the other side of the bridge and the downy side of the bridge and you know really connect it all together yeah it's interesting you should say that because i i think that a lot of people don't realize we're talking about two separate entities panama city beach is quite different than the town of panama city separated by the bridge and um being here for almost 40 years now mm-hmm. we've sensed that for all those 40 years that you're from town, oh, you're from the beach, you know, and vice versa. And one of the things that I love about the, a group like Jack and Jen, they're not trying to be what the record industry wants is this week's 8 by 10 Glossy. Yeah. They're saying this is who we are, right. and we're going to present this to our audience and, and i and i love that and i think that's what we're learning too uh, artistically in this area mm-hmm. uh you know the the lucky muds uh the duo they hold a songwriting session on thursday nights mm-hmm. our buddy michael lister prolific author also a singer and a songwriter and matt the, law i mean these they're all kind of marching to their own drum the, and these are names that many of you listening to us in Chicago may not know. We're going to be introducing you to a lot of these people because yeah. one of the things that we love about being able to do this show is that WGN Management gives us the freedom to say, you found somebody you think is interesting, go ahead and share it with your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, that was fun. And you will find links to their music on our page. And, and I believe also, uh, uh, I think we'll be able to, uh, to share the, the video. Probably. I think those, well, Caleb, are, you know those, that those are archived. The, with the video, the YouTube videos, so we should be able to uh, yeah. just. I think it'll probably go up on the the live video will go up on their page. It yeah. should okay. be shareable from that point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we learn as we go. Yeah. You know. Okay. <laughs> That's what this is all about. By the way, we're back here next week, but it's a shortened show because the Blackhawks will take us up till ten thirty on right. Saturday night, and we're in the same time zone. A couple of people have asked, you know, isn't it late for you? It's later than usual. No, we're in no, the we're same the time central zone. time zone. Mm-hmm. Same deal. Yeah, we're closer to New Orleans than we are to Orlando, for example. <laughs> so next week, uh, once again, we'll be starting at ten thirty. And, we got some surprises uh, planned for next week too. We try to squeeze in five hours in a three and a half hour show, and we will we'll be once again coming to you from the studios of WKGC FM, high atop the Charles Hilton Center for Advanced <laughs> Technology and Hospitality Management at Gulf Coast State College in Panama City, Florida. <laughs> Amen, brother. Did I read all that correctly, <laughs> Caleb? Uh, was That's that, quite uh, the promo. Sure. <laughs> That's uh, it, okay. really. A lot of things to try and sneak in in the next couple of minutes, but we want to uh, talk to Gabe for a sec. Gabe, you around? I am here. You, are you a richer man tonight or a poorer man as a result of your <laughs> past week? Because we're following your adventures on Facebook out to uh, Lost Wages. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't lose that many wages. Uh, I actually, um, on a Tuesday night, I won enough money to pay for brunch at the Bellagio the next morning. Oh, wow! Oh, cool. So, Very nice. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 how that went. I, I must say that I was not adequately prepared for the amount of walking Vegas requires. <laughs> um, I do miss the weather, though. I, I I am highly disappointed because I was wearing shorts all week in Vegas. You know, the temperatures were in the seventies and eighties the whole time. It was perfect. Yeah, it wasn't um, hot. It was just right. Right, and then you know, like it, it got a little windy at night, so that kind of cooled things down a little bit, but not too much. And then. Mm-hmm. You know, I come back home, and today not only am I wearing pants again, but then I also had to bust out the winter hat because it was that cold. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Gabe is wearing pants again, Steve. <laughs> well, well, the one thing I was, I was really curious about your uh, Las Vegas adventure, did you get to see the new dome? Oh, the sphere? We, we yeah. went past it several times going to the other destinations, but um, we did not actually go to it. Um, I did not. Look to see what shows were happening. I don't think there was any shows happening during the week while we were there. I think it was probably mostly this weekend there was stuff going on. But uh, we went past it a bunch of times. In fact, when we went to dinner on Monday night, my wife and I, we ate at the steakhouse that's uh, east of the Strip. Mm-hmm. And um, we could actually see the sphere from the restaurant. So we see it lighting up in the background as we look out the window. So it was an interesting thing to see. And it's weird because it kind of looks like this big face that sometimes is looking at you. And it's just... Well, is that the one that looks like a big pumpkin? Yeah. Like a big jack-o'-lantern? Well, with the scary... It's just a kind of like a half circle. When we were there, most of the time, it looked like a snow globe. Oh. Okay. That would be cool. Yeah. I often wonder what that looks like from, from the sky in... in in you a plane, yeah. you know, well, I'll, I'll sure. tell you this much: it's it, it is it is not as big as it looks on TV or in pictures. Oh, really? It, it looks it, it's actually much smaller in person. Because <laughs> uh, Allegiant Stadium I, is bigger than the Sphere. Well, what I always worry about is I've seen some Facebook pictures; uh, it's videos, and you'll see the Sphere in the background, 
and it's right next to some expressway, and uh, it looks like it could be so distracting for drivers to see oh, the different yeah. things that are taking shape on the, the sphere. It's, it's just, I'm amazed there aren't a whole lot of accidents. Because we know how easily drivers are distracted. Yeah. Based on, yeah, Gabe, do you remember when there was a, I think it was Dennis Rodman's picture, was painted on the side of a building off the Kennedy Expressway? Yes. And every day... Traffic came to it, a it halt. Was, uh, Gabe, what, what was it right next to that car dealership? It was like on the on the side of that car dealership. It was north of right. North Avenue. It, uh, it was it was right by the Armitage. Um, yes, 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 right um, north of that, North that, of Armitage. That dealership is not there anymore. It's abandoned. But it was Dennis Rodman for a long time. They would change the color of his hair. Yes, um, Ryan Sandberg was up on that billboard for a while. Yes. and traffic so, so, yeah. would stop. Yeah, it would. And um, every day in traffic, they would say, it's the sign that's been there for weeks, people. <laughs> you know, didn't, <laughs> didn't matter. Still stop. And the, I will say this, though. You talk about driving. I noticed that uh, there aren't that many crazy drivers in Vegas, at least not while I was there. And uh, there wasn't like, you, I didn't see a ton of people. Cutting no road people. rage? Yeah, no road rage. I didn't see people getting cut off. Um, you know, the only thing that was traffic. Here, here's the thing that happened while we were down there. So remember when we had NASCAR over the summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Formula One is going to Las Vegas Boulevard next month oh. in the middle of November. And uh, we, we rode Uber while we were out there. And every Uber driver was complaining about how um, they were going to shut down Las Vegas Boulevard. That's the busiest street there, especially on the Strip. Yeah. And what they're doing is they already started building some of the structures. Because of that, they had to turn off the fountains in front of the Bellagio because that's where some of those structures are going. They also had to, um, there's this exhibit that's out right outside Caesar's Palace. It's all these trees that are lit up with these lights that change color every few seconds. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had to turn most of those trees off because of the setup for... For Formula oh. One, so they're yeah. they're about to experience in Vegas what we experienced here over the summer, and um, you know I hope they make more off of the yeah. Weed <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, you know the thing is, I was actually uh, one of, one of the Uber drivers that I was talking about this with. I said, I'm pretty sure that the city made Formula One throw some money towards the towards all the casinos because they're all going to be impacted by this mm-hmm. based on where the racetrack is going to be set up. So. Um, I will. I will. Like I said, a lot of walking when you're going down the strip from one casino to the next because you can't. You can't just cross the street and jaywalk like you can here in Chicago. Right. The right. the streets are all fenced off, and I'm actually glad they do that because it keeps people safe. But you either have to cross at a stoplight or um, the, the bridges that connect you from one hotel to the next. That was a, a feature I found interesting. Hmm. Um, but I but I'm wearing my uh, my ankle wrap today because my foot was uh, hurting quite a bit after I got you home overworked from all the it. Oh, yeah, no. but at least you didn't overwork your wallet, so you came back okay. Yeah. And um, anyway, it sounds like a great trip. Uh, we've only been out there one time, and mm-hmm. it's not like I've longed to go back again. But occasionally I see, I go, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it'd probably be fun for a day or two. I, I will I will say this: if I do go back again, I'll probably get a hotel on the strip this time. Yes, yes, for less walking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we are rapidly running out of time. Yep. And Mr. Steve, you're you're not going to no, you're what? not going to get what? out of here oh, until dear. I hear my favorite Halloween song. We've heard songs that are well, they're trotted out every year at this time of the mm-hmm. year, but we haven't heard my favorite. And Julian, you know what my favorite one is, so take it away. <laughs> Satan is a name she goes 
recorded that in 1962 wow. and uh, that was uh, one of the things I'm very proud of with that is that no overdubs no nothing that's how the group sounded we walked into the studio they turned on the mic turned on the microphone and that's what it was mm-hmm. you're and, on guitar that's you singing lead right and can I just establish here and now um, I was seven that's not me singing no. the girl backup part. That was my then-girlfriend, <laughs> uh, Betty Banneke. Invariably, somebody says, oh, was that Johnny singing backup? No. But the the additional story about this, and you can, if you want to go to our, our blog, you can read more about it. Oh, I'm it. going to put up another link to that. But it was recorded in 1962. It almost became a hit. Dick Clark liked it, was playing it on the local portion of American Bandstand, was going to go with it on the national portion of American Bandstand, but then one of the Mercury Records promotion people said, well, if it's a choice between that or our new Leslie Gore record, Mm -hmm. we'd like you to go with the new Leslie Gore record, so there was that. But all these years later, and I've discovered this starting about, about five years ago, that song has taken on a life of its own over in Europe. I can't count the number of CDs and albums that it is now available on, and other artists have been recording it. It's also on Halloween compilation yep. CDs. So you buy a CD that's for your party, your Halloween party, and there's like 25 or 30 cuts on it, and whoa, there you are. You're not getting rich from this? No. Not never received a penny for no. all these CDs that this song is on. And, and there's a new uh, copyright law over in Europe, which, uh, and I'm trying to figure out how many years it goes back. Is it 50 th- years? Uh, no, it, it must it, be more than that. Anyhow, if something was recorded before a certain date, it's no longer copyrightable. It becomes public domain. So, like, there are new labels that are issuing old Elvis Presley things because they don't have to pay nothing for it because, oh, Elvis recorded this in 1956. That's public domain. Let me put that thing out there. Yeah. But you're very lucky. The people that have recorded it on their CDs, they've um, they've they've mentioned you are the songwriter, mm-hmm. and um, honestly, as we've listened to them, they've copied your guitar licks, lick for lick, in yeah, most that, cases. That's been a very nice even, compliment. Even the punk version yeah. did. Uh, the woman who does this in her burlesque act, she changed it to yeah. Satan is his name. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, but it's really cool to see how it's taken on this crazy life, and it's just exploded. I'll put a link up to um, the, the the blog post that we did yeah. that gives you the different links to all mm-hmm. the different people who have done it before. But oh, you know what? I know. Already. The, the, the blue lights are starting to flicker, I and I think I hear the sound of a Zamboni in the background. <laughs> they're, they're starting so, to wax oops, the floors. Yep. 
so that means it is time for our last call. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to be the last caller and win some goodies from the prize list, you can call 312-981-7200. That number again, 312-981-7200. You can't have won anything from WGN within the past 60 days. Because we have prizes to give you if you are chosen as our last caller. And all we do is we just kind of uh, catch up with you, find out what's going on in your world as you get ready to to um, maybe turn in for the night. Or maybe you're just starting your night, whatever. Last week we talked to uh, a woman who was actually working. She mm-hmm. was at the hospital where she did all kinds yep. of uh, tests. She did surgery. She was in the middle of an operating room mm-hmm. <laughs> when she called us. She Doing was listening. open heart surgery. I, I think. think it was, yeah. yes. Um, so if you would like to be our last caller, 312-981-7200, and we will make it official, and we'll get to you in the next few minutes here on WGN. Yep, closing time. Closing time. Get on out. You don't have to go home. Yes, you do. Yeah, you you really have to do. go you home. You have to go home. <laughs> uh, we'll be home in, oh gosh, I plan on being in bed in about 45 minutes. <laughs> but who's counting? And I promised that we would not talk about weather here. But I will just mention in passing, it's going to be unseasonably warm today, like 84 degrees. What? That's not natural. We're here for fall. Come on. Okay. Uh, Julian, we're going to let you choose because uh, Steve chose our last caller. I did last week, so it's your turn now. So you get to choose and tell us who we're going to be speaking to. Well, through some due diligence, I... uh, Well, now I feel like I'm putting on... I'm put on the spot here because I talked to them. That's okay. Um, Which which one gave you the most money? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Made the best promises well, to well, you. I might as well hang up on all of them then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think. Okay. I think we're going to go with caller number two, and that's going to be Elaine. 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 Okay, I always think of Seinfeld when I hear Elaine. Yeah. I'm sure she's never heard that before. Good morning, Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Good morning to both of you. Hi there. So, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm just fine, thank you. I've Good. Enjoyed Where are you calling from? Halloween show. <laughs> thank you. I'm calling from I'm calling from Des Plaines, Illinois. Mm-hmm. From Des Plaines. And why are you up at this hour of the morning? Because I always stay up on Saturday night so I can listen to you. All right. Good. That was the right answer. Yes. So, so you're definitely getting the prizes <laughs> you, now. You passed the test. What's on your schedule for Sunday? What do you plan on doing later on today after you get a good nap in? Well, I haven't had any plans made yet, but mm-hmm. the day is yet young. <laughs> Boy, isn't it? The day is young. You're absolutely right. Well, what do you like to do when you're not hanging out with us in the middle of the night? Oh, I, I like to read, and I go to shows, and I met you one time at a Doyle Dykes concert. Oh, really? Oh, which one? Yes. It was in uh, Des Plaines. Oh, yes. On, uh, yeah. Were we at the church in Displays? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, a beautiful church in Displays. Oh yeah, with wonderful acoustics, and we had a full house that night, didn't we, Elaine? Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've got to catch up with Doyle. We haven't talked to him forever. I that was, was a- wondering if how he was doing. 
Yeah, he seems to be doing great. We just uh, he, he hasn't um, he hasn't been doing a whole lot of traveling. He's been doing. He's a, been doing some some things locally in Nashville. Well, one of the reasons he hasn't been doing a whole lot because uh, Haley, his daughter. And Jake, they just moved from Tennessee to Texas, Texas, to Austin, Texas. Oh. Yes, and that was literally within the past month. And for anyone who listened to our show, they probably remember that those two got engaged live on our show. Yeah, I, uh, I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really, really fun. Well, you've been with I, I us for. You, I think I think Haley was one that was with him. At the concert there. You were right. Yes, she was. She was. And what a voice and that woman And she sang uh, Amazing Grace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a mama of two kids, two beautiful children, a boy and a girl. Well, that's and um, nice. yeah, thank you for that memory because that was a really, really fun Friday night. Uh, in fact, down here in Florida, we have a, a large picture of us on that stage that was mm-hmm. blown up and matted and framed for us because it was really a fun night. And Doyle has performed down here in Panama mm-hmm. City. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I want you to stay warm today because it does not sound like it's going to be an ideal day to be running around. I'm worried about my roses because I didn't have time to, to do what I should be doing with my roses before we have a frost. But I'm going to hope that... I haven't that had time to do some of my yard work either. <laughs> and, you know, I figure if I get there in, in a couple of weeks, I can get out there and prune and just cover them up. And mm-hmm. they were so great this year. I mean, they really... Did you have a good year in your garden? Uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised because I thought I I stood back and I was kind of in awe because it was to me it was one of the best years I've had. Oh, it was. Yeah, and it, it it was kind of sad to leave it, but then I came here where it's going to be eighty four degrees today, so I guess oh, I can put up with it. <laughs> Elaine, that's too warm. It is a little warm. Yes, it's nice catching up with you. Year. Hang on for just a little bit, and Julian will get some information off the air, and you will receive the American Weathermakers Weather Station. It's the desktop weather station. It's wildly popular. And one of the retro WGN t-shirts. Official WGN t-shirts will be coming your way as well. And that's what we do uh, at the very end of the show. We Mm -hmm. get a chance to chat with you, our last callers. We have... About three minutes and uh, so many things to get to. Oh, a couple of things. One, yes, we will be posting more of the time. We have th- uh, three more Tommy Emanuel right. videos. And over the next uh, couple of days, we're going to be posting those. And, and oh, Julian did a fabulous job of doing the videos. They yeah. are as professional as you could ever yeah. imagine. And you're going to love them. Thank you. And... Uh, t- now it went out of my head. What, what else was I going to say? <laughs> well, uh, we will have oh, the, I know yes. uh, that over the next couple of days, we have a lot of uh, Halloween decoration pictures <gasps> oh, we're going to be yes. posting. Oh, my gosh, People yes. have been asking about that. And oh. what we're going to do, we're going to post a combination of pictures uh, uh, from in Chicago mm-hmm. and from down, because we decorated both places. 
Right. So it's going to be sort of a, a collage. Of so for those of you who wanted to see our Halloween tree, thank you for remembering this, Steve. Mm-hmm. We will have pictures of the Halloween tree. Now, we do not have a tree here in Florida, but we've gone wild with everything else but a tree. In fact, if you want to see how wild we've gone, go to our Facebook page, scroll down a little bit, and you will see the video of what the porch <laughs> on our little yellow house looks like now. Fire department may be there when yeah, we get they, home. I don't know. Yes. Because that goes all night long. <laughs> all night long, it yes. Uh, real quick, I want to answer a text that said, what was that song that Steve did, that Satan is her name? And you can go to YouTube uh, and just look up Steve King, Satan is her name. And there's one particular video that was done by a guy named Ray Flash from, I forget if he was from Poland or Germany, but he put a video with some of the scenes from a Russ Meyer movie, uh, and I'm trying to, th- I'm blanking on the name of the movie, but he put that some of the scenes together with my song, and it really came out kind of cool. Yeah, it works perfectly. And I forget how many thousands of hits it's yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. If only you had a penny for every one of those Yeah, hits. really. See, if you had me as your manager, we would have done much better. <laughs> uh, also, I want to say that we will be back next week. Uh, bro- Starting at 1030. Yes, broadcasting from the WKGC studios, mm-hmm. high atop the Charles Hilton building. Um, but and, we- and speaking of that, we have to say uh, our thanks to Caleb Jordan. Who's Woo-hoo. been with us in studio here to uh, Tom Hoots, who set things up here to uh, Julian back at uh, WGN and uh, to uh, Brett and Dan and Ron Brown and Gabe and all the ships at sea. So we, and thank you guys for tuning in, too. And we'll see you back here on the radio at 1030 next Saturday night, immediately following the Blackhawks game.